Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Death is the best kick of all. That's why they save it for podcast. Okay. It's my Ron Silver. It was a, I'd say more of a Ron Bronze. <laughs> I don't think I really hit that one out of Ron the Ron Brass? Ron Brass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, everybody. My name's Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. This is Blank Check with Griffin and David. That's the name of the podcast. We are hashtag two friends. It's a competitive advantage. I wish other shows had that going for them because God, <laughs> is it working out for us? Um, this is a podcast about filmographies. Right? Do you yeah, agree? I do. I'm just looking for your approval, David. I, I, I approve. Directors who have massive success early on in their careers and were issued a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes, hold on one second. Pow! They bounce, baby. Yeah, bring it, bring it, bring back Marin for this one. I'll bring it back. Yeah. Uh, this is a series on the films of Catherine Bigelow. Okay. It's called Pod 19, The Widowcaster. Yep. Obviously. Mm. We have gotten to our third film. In Only our third film. Only our third film. Yeah. And this is the one where I'd say it all starts totally clicking. Yeah. This is where she's ensconced in the, in the you know, uh, Vestron, that yes. great Hollywood studio. Deep in a uh, home video company turned <laughs> short-lived theatrical production company, mm-hmm. Vestron. And it's a movie that fucking rules. Yep. Spoiler alert. It fucking rules. Great movie. Called Blue Steel. And of course, this episode is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We're making money now, baby. Yeah. Thank you, Mac Weldon. You see that, uh, that Reddit post where people were like, how can we help the two friends make money? We'll tell you. Believe me. Oh, yeah. We're it involves telling. a promo code. Oh, get ready. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited. We have a guest who we've been trying to get, we've been trying to have on for a little while now. I like how you're holding up the mug. <laughs> it really makes it feel like we're in like daytime radio. I feel very professional now. We got sponsors. Mm-hmm. They're they're watching. They're watching. They're yeah. watching. And they're move. listening. Yeah. But that's the thing. People know they're listening cuz it's a podcast. But our sponsors are watching, which is why I need to have good arm, good angles on this on this Great. coffee mug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a wonderful guest who we've been trying to get on. He was supposed to be on the Interstellar episode. Yes. and uh, Schedulings. You know, yeah, Griffin got sent to Australia. Time dilation yeah, seriously. Got, in, got in the way of the Interstellar yeah. one. You know, we knew the math. We knew the theory. <laughs> and you were sending us some hot takes through the bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, I was right. trying the episode. Yeah, I was the, trying to. Check the walls shook every time. Have you checked your, your analog watches? Because <laughs> yeah. it's clicking the way I want you to, to, to give my... There's a hot take in here. Yeah. yeah. Hot tick. Um, <laughs> hey, hey now. No, I didn't mean tick. I said tick like a watch, but okay, tick also. But let's also, our, we're also sponsored this episode by The Tick. Yeah. Uh, our guest today, he is a podcast host himself. True. Of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's a big time for Star Trek fans, let me tell you. None of this unofficial bullshit. No. We're, we're at peak Star Trek right now, and you're the man officially guiding everyone. That's true. That's true. I am the host of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. And he's a film critic himself. Uh, Jordan Hoffman, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, listen. It's lovely to have you. It's Jordan. love. It's love all around. Yeah. I've got my arms extended right now. Mm-hmm. I'm embracing everyone listening. Now, now this is one of the... 
lesser known, more forgotten Catherine Bigelow movies. Oh, yeah. and It is. And when um, Mr. Sims uh, said to me, oh, we're doing Bigelow next. Right. Because we tried to have you on for Nolan. He yeah. said, is, yeah. are there any of these that jump out to and you? I suggested Near Dark to you just because it's a genre picture. I thought you might have a take, but you, you were like, eh. Yeah. Eh, I haven't seen Near Dark. No. Or maybe you had like 20 years ago, yeah. like whatever. Yeah. yeah. But um, I know uh, Catherine Bigelow has made films that people really love. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like uh, yeah. your you know, Hurt Lockers. Hurt Lockers, quite good. Zero Dark Thirty is really good. Um, what's the one with Patrick Swayze? That one's Point good Break. Too. Point Break is really oh, good. Yeah. But for me, it's all about Ron Silver. <laughs> yeah. Doing his, his crunches. His crunches. Oh. He's talking to Jordan has raised his arms twice now. Ron Silver is talking to the the voices in his head yeah. that want him to kill. Mm-hmm. Huh? He don't like those voices. I'll, yeah. I'll say this too. I watched this movie. I had not seen it before last night. And I was just like, oh, this could be like a solid like Bigelow B picture. Right. right. I figured I, I was gonna watch an okay cop movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I watched this and I was like, this is kind of the Urtex. Like this movie contains everything I like about Catherine Bigelow as a filmmaker. It's the yeah. one that unifies all the different threads, all the different stylistic moves, you know? It is uh it, yeah, it's a great it is elevated cop movie. Yeah. To use the phrase that everyone hates right now. Yes. Elevated horror. This is elevated like it is. It's a comedy. It's like this. This plot is really simple. But I also like that it's kind of a horror movie. It's more, it yeah. is a horror. Like movie, it's a for slasher sure. film. Weirdly, well, Jamie Lee Curtis is not in it by accident. I mean, right. it's yes, it's, for sure. Uh, right. Ron I, Silver becomes Michael Myers by the I, end. Of this I movie. read back to Roger Ebert's review, and he said this is actually the best Halloween sequel that's ever been made. Oh, like this funny. is the grown-up version of Halloween. Well, right, and also I think just. Thinking of Bigelow's later career, I think I was expecting more of like a shoe leather NYPD movie That's about what I was like, also expecting. you know, life on the force and yeah. she's a new cop. And instead, like almost immediately, it dispenses with any like realism. Yeah. The, yeah. Only, the only realism in the movie is on the floor of the stock exchange. Those yes. shots are done handheld. Sure. So and those yeah. shots are great. I mean, it's no trading places. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. But it's done really well. You could see Ron Silver flipping out, selling soy futures or whatever the hell he's doing. Yeah. And those shots really have some grit. Everything else has got the sheen. Can put Mr. Ridley Scott to shame. It's true. And this is and when Ridley Scott's really struggling. He should put made this, this up movie. against his New York picture at the time. Someone to watch over me. Mm-hmm. I take this any day of the week. But I, I'll say, I like, agree. you even like compare like '90s Bigelow to like. 80s Tony Scott, right? Yeah. Who was like pioneering a lot of these, like, you know, this sort of visual language. The, the hunger and this. The hun- hunger in this are very right. simpatico. But I feel like there's a weight to the images in this movie that feels like a real evolutionary step beyond the like stylization of the 80s with like the Atmos yeah. and the the shallow focus and the crazy lighting. Yes. I and mean, the color filters and you, all that sort of stuff. It has all of that, but it has one thing that those other movies don't have, which is a very new and unique and instantly sympathetic character. Yes. In Jamie Lee Curtis, who you're 12 seconds in this movie, like I support her because she's alone. She's the only woman sure. graduating right. from the police academy. Parents aren't there because we'll yeah. find out why later. Right. And I want her to succeed. And, and the man literally and figuratively will not let her. Will not let her. Right. It's a glass ceiling movie. For sure. And it's a movie that like yeah, the thing that's so great about the movie, we've been talking a lot about tension with Bigelow because she really is a tension filmmaker, right? All of her movies yes. are based around playing off of some kind of tension, both within the scenes and the larger narrative. And this is a movie where like so much of the tension comes from the fact that Every single scene would play differently if she were a man. 
Like you feel this frustration. Her her body and like the threat, like there's sort of threat in the air, like and like her body is invaded so many times in this movie. But, Mostly, you know, people pushing her, people yeah. sort of getting in her space. But like, also how people interact with her yeah. on a scene by scene basis. Mm-hmm. You just feel this frustration of like the audience is so on board with this character and the movie is not taking her seriously. You know, oh, or the other people in the movie. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, like Nancy Brown. It takes him a really long time right. to treat her as an equal. Right. And then he stoops her. Right. With his tongue. Yeah. Spoilers. So much cl- Spoilers. But well, wait, there's wait, some serious tongue joking. stooping. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. Let's back it up a minute. Though. Sure. Yes. Because um, you're right. There are a lot. There are, have been some recent films that are like kind of like cop movies or action movies where um, like the only one that's coming to mind right now is Assault with uh, sure. Angela. And the whole shtick was like. It was written for a guy, but then right. a woman stepped in and it didn't change the movie at all. Yeah. That's not the case with this at all. This is about a policewoman. Right. Uh, from, you know, it wouldn't work as a rookie cop who makes a mistake in a supermarket. You could make that movie. You could, but, but it, it's not that. I, I think the, the arc that this character goes through and the incidents that happen to her and around her are yeah. very specific to her gender. And I think Catherine Bigelow, above all else, like, because she gets pegged a lot as like, oh, this woman who makes these films about masculinity, yeah. which I think is like she's good at that. She found a niche doing that. She played into that niche well. But I think the bigger thing is she just has a very, very keen take on the differences behaviorally between the genders, yeah. you know? And the iconography leans the hell into it. And the, the opening credit scene, it's all – I don't want to say what it is. They, yeah. they look like guns going in holsters, but you right. can tell me what they are. Right. But she, Do we have a anybody with a with an English lit degree, David, who could tell me what that symbolizes? You're talking about peepees and vajijis. <laughs> There's a lot of that. That's what Jordan. In, you're talking about putting peepees and vajijis. There's a lot of penis stuff going on in this movie. Sure. Yes. There's a lot of uh, Ron Silver not knowing what to do with his penis, being obsessed with the fact that his girlfriend Jamie Lee Curtis seems to know what to do with a penis substitute more than he does. He is, right. Right. That he is transfixed by uh, the idea of a gun. His yeah. character yeah. is all impotent rage, and the fact right. that this movie is like. Here's another thing. Okay, so it's like this isn't just a movie starring a police woman. It's a movie about a police woman, right? Sure. Yeah. This also isn't a movie that happens to have a lot of gun violence. It's a movie about guns. Yeah. Like, yes. In a very really much so. fascinating this way. This is a movie about loading a revolver, right. so, like, and things like that. The power yes. of having a the gun. weird sexual thrill that comes right. with it. Yeah, Some yeah, yeah, condemn yeah. this film for being a little too fetishistic. Sure. Yes, it definitely has that yeah. almost. At times, which I think is a problem that she has run into many times in her career, where she loves those details and yeah. is like gets so fixated sure, on them, yeah. and people see it as like somewhat pornographic. Right. I mean, uh, the, which I think is great. There's the, uh, <laughs> very early in the film, which just after the graduation, just after the opening title sequence, she's getting dressed in the locker room with mm-hmm. the lights coming in and whatnot. Right. And it's shot putting on the uh, shirt, buttoning yeah. over the bra. It's shot yeah. like aliens. Yeah. It's shot like boom, boom. You know, shoes, yeah. the harness. Right. Yes, yeah. that. And, um, you know, when it's a science fiction movie, it's, it's a whole different world, so right. to speak, than this. It's like, you know, what are we glamorizing here? You mm-hmm. know? But, NYPD but in the late 80s, early love, 90s. I love, I mean, A, the, the way she plays with iconography, everything has such a weight, excuse me, and importance in this movie. Like, every single shot in this movie feels iconic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so gorgeous. Because it's yes. so deliberate, and there's such a texture to every single image, I find. Yeah. Like, it's not just style for style's sake. Like, she's playing in this weird sphere where it's simultaneously incredibly heightened but also super grounded. Oh. A lot of that is Jamie Lee Curtis, who I think is doing some 
unbelievable like underplaying in if, every scene. If you were Jamie Lee Curtis, would this be the movie you're most proud of? In I the think whole career? so. I mean, I think this is the best I've ever seen her be. I mean, she should be very proud, certainly, of being in a fish called Wanda, which is a masterpiece. Right, but sure. she's in the ensemble, right? Halloween yeah, I, is fine. But Halloween's looks, great, yeah, but, but on, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a wonderful movie. Nah, and she, that she is no Halloween's no, great. No, it's Halloween's great. It's fine, but it's, it's not great. about her. I mean, no, I mean, yeah. she is better than you know, you know, a lot of actresses are in that bear, role. Yeah. But yes, it's yeah. I, it would be a little. I think even she'd probably think it'd be a little silly for people to think of that as her quote unquote best performance. Right, right. right. But you know, we talked about when we did our True Lies episode for Cameron, how weird her sort of career was, where it was like the Halloween arc, and then she has trading places right after that. And then for a while, she was like a big star, but she didn't have any things that really fit. Right. She's great in True Lies. I mean, that's later. I'm sorry. Right. But then that was kind of like a second wave sort of thing. And then she goes into like comedy mom sort of territory. She is fantastic in Freaky Friday. Actually, that is a a genuinely sensitive and uh, three-dimensional comic And she got very close to getting an Oscar. She did. She's very good at that movie. I mean, because she's talented. But we were saying like, look, she's had a great career she's been in a lot of classics yeah. you know she's been in a lot of movies that had cultural importance she's done a lot of really good work and whatever but it does feel like this movie should have been the start of a phase in her career yeah. that didn't yeah. totally well, kickstart remember what she's doing right when this movie comes out or did you you might you might remember about, about 19 is after fish called wanda this is after fish called wanda this is right. after trading places Right, because Trading yeah, Places yeah. Is, Wanda yeah. was I want to say eighty-eight. Because yeah. uh, Trading Places is eighty-three. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Fish called Wanda. Actually, let me find I think it. It's eighty-seven, is eighty-eight. 88. Yeah. Uh, but in eighty-nine, she starts on a sitcom called Anything But Love that nobody ever remembers, oh, but ran for four seasons. Wait, is that the one with Richard Lewis? Yes. You know, not a. I was really whatever. into Richard Lewis at the time. Richard Lewis is great, and I He's was I was an Anything But Love apologist. Sure, sure. That show is pretty nothing it's it's It's, a sitcom (laughs) it's not good it's not good but But i would watch it a lot waiting for the real richard lewis to show up and there would be like one joke per episode um right there would be like one funny thing and i would watch it every week and then then i stopped because like then that one funny thing a week became one funny thing every two weeks right 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 but it it was ran it ran for 56 episodes it was zero clue that she was on a sitcom for four years after becoming a movie star. yeah exactly and it's sort of but it's obvious, like when you're looking at her um, resume, yeah, uh, you know, obviously she's in Halloween, The Fog, Prom Night, Terror Train, Escape from New York. You know, well, she's not in Escape from New York. That's a voice. But, you know, Halloween 2, where so she's the yeah. scream queen, right? And right. then she's in Trading Places and people are like, oh, my God. And she's in like Perfect, which is really. Oh, uh, right. Big, there are a couple hit. 80s. Uh, yeah. Not uh, a good movie. But not a good hit. movie, but sort of a sex symbol movie, yeah. I guess. Yeah. In Fish Called Wanda. A, a lot of these are bad, though, like A Man in Love and. What's a man in love? I have no idea. Uh, sounds Diane. Oh, she's barely. Oh, she's like the third lead oh, in that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Amazing Grace and Chuck is a Mike Newell movie. <sighs> like I've never heard of some of these that movies. But, but doesn't it feel like you watch this and you go like this should have become the Jamie Lee Curtis archetype? Yes, right. But, and instead, after this, she's like the mom and my girl. But you know what movie, I mean? Like she right. gets shunted and then, over. And then True right. Lies, she gets to ultimately play this she's, at the end of the movie, but a lot of it's a deconstruction of that. It's right, but she's definitely space. playing on the more like By the end of the movie, she gets to own the full Jamie Lee Curtis this thing. This yeah. movie was not a big hit. It was the, a f- no, it was a flop. It was, uh, yeah. Because it was Vestron. Like you right. said, it became respected. It showed on cable. And then right. when Point Blank, when Point, point Break, break comes, comes out, out right. people right. are like, oh, people this retroactively is like- liked it. That's when I saw it. I sure. saw it on TV after 
point break. Yeah, no, because this um, movie was barely released. Yeah, right, like because right. it was acquired by like MGM after Vestro went bankrupt right, right, and they like right. dumped it out in and March. And quite frankly, the sto- like this movie is like on paper does not should not be as good as it is. No. It's good for two reasons, Jamie Lee Curtis but and Bigelow. She I mean, directed she, the shit out of it. I mean, the script's tri- smart yeah. but pretty functional. The, the script is fu- well, no, the, 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 script, the script is functional until they get stupid at the end. The, it gets the, really sure. stupid. It gets dumb. Well, How does else? he find her in the in the but, subway but, at the end? Right. Like New York's a big town. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to New York, but like she goes, she leaves um the hospital. Yeah. I will find Mr. Ron Silver somewhere in this little burg of New York City. <laughs> And she goes on the subway and he's there. Like, I like that it gets a little supernatural at the end of the movie because I think it gets a little non-literal. Like, well, I think is, he starts I, I to become more representational. from the beginning. Because, yes. it, yeah, he's not a, a diagnosable. Like, right, that's the other thing. It's not like he has some sort of, where, no. where they're like, oh, this is a classic case of guy picks up a gun and right. like, the, like, the like, pours all of his 80s American psycho rage into it. The Wikipedia yeah. page refers to him as like, you know, a futures trader with, uh, who also turns out to be a latent psychopath. A commodities a, trader who is a latent psychopath. Well, right, this and is it's a, like, that's kind of reductive. Like, yeah, that's, sure. There's more going on here. Well, that, well it's a, also what he was just a successful commodities trader, and then at age 33, he's like, you know what? It's shooting people in the right, street. Right. Yeah, that's a, what I'm going to do it's now. It's a little ridiculous. And then what also is extremely annoying is um, he's being seized by demons, and like he's sure. like, ah, Yeah, he's kill, talking to I himself. Kill, and yeah. he goes and kills. But then, yes. 20 minutes later, He's like the most crafty, mustache twirling fellow when his lawyer shows yes. up and he's like, oh, how could I have been there? How well, perfect the great Richard Jenkins. But see, right. I think, oh God, this movie, when, in the opening credits, if we could just start at the beginning, yeah. the opening credits of this movie, I think I jizzed six different <laughs> times. Because I was watching this and I was like, okay, Jamie Lee Curtis I know is in this movie. Yeah, but right? you know everybody else. Ron Silver I know is in this movie. Oh, and you're saying the credits. It's like Clancy row. Brown, Elizabeth Pena, uh, Richard Jenkins, oh, Philip Bosco, uh, Kevin Dunn, Tom Sizemore. He's not in the I'm credits. I'm losing but, my uh, mind. Yeah, Griffin, yeah, yeah. can I tell you, remember when I came in this morning? Louise Fletcher's in this fucking movie. I know. Movie. Academy she's Award winner. Star, Star Trek yeah. connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Um, of course. She's, uh, God, what the hell's her name? Kai Wynn Adama. Of course. Then even just getting like Mike Starr coming in as the superintendent for two lines. Sure. Like, oh, give me some good character actor, Piccolo. Mm-hmm. Gr- uh, Griffin, said, uh, 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 let me tell you a tale. Sure, t- please, regale uh, me. About Richard Jenkins. Oh, the great Richard Jenkins. Uh, a few short weeks ago, I was in the city of Toronto with your friend and partner, David Sims. I have goosebumps right now already. I just know I'm going to get a good Jenkins we're tale. We're seated. I got goosebumps. It's not that good. Let me, let me reel it in. If it's no, about but, but Jenkins, then it's I good. I like how you're telling the story. We're, we're seated at the Elgin Theater. Yeah, very Toronto, nice theater. Which is beautiful. What are you going um, and to see? where they shot scenes from the movie yeah. in. We were so there cool. to see the North American premiere of a sh- uh, The Shape of Water, which had played days earlier at the Venice Film Festival. That's and right. had come and won the Golden Lion. With the Golden Lion. And my boy Jenks crushes in that movie. How, right? how do we'll you say that. Golden Lion in Italian? The Abruzzo Galozio. Correct. So. Five Italian points. <laughs> Leone d'Oro. The Leone d'Oro. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so we're seated in the Elgin Theater, which is an old theater. You know, it's so it's one of these old theaters that used to have more of these. They have very few now. Mm-hmm. It's a double-decker theater. You right. know a double-decker bus? Yeah. It's a double-decker theater. It's a full Broadway house. Yeah. You take four escalators up. There's 
there's a second Broadway house on top called the yeah. Winter Garden. I know, which is also kind of a cool theater. Yeah, because that's got like it's got weird trees inside it's got, like, it. Plastic and leaves. grapes. Plastic Very grapes weird. are everywhere. I saw I on that. Chesil Beach in that theater. It was yeah, poorly matched. Humble so, brag. But we're down in the bottom, and uh-huh. um, it's opening night. There are some, and some people there are in gowns, tuxes. Yeah. People are amped. People. I'm, Jordan's in cargo shorts. I'm wearing. I'm, I'm like a schlub, a schlub, and he's wearing <laughs> yeah. a Def Leppard t-shirt or something. Yeah, but we're I, sitting I, next we're, to I'm not in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, To my right is Mr. Davidson's, your partner in podcasting. To my left is another colleague of ours, and the show is about to Unnamed, start. But well, well um, yes. So the the show is about to start. Okay. And uh, before that, then the, first of all, the mayor of Toronto comes out. Mayor of Toronto comes but out not to introduce the, it. And I'm like, fuck, can we just start the movie right. already? And yeah, it's yeah. not the crack smoking mayor. He's, no, he's, he's, died. he's dead. Gone, it's the other one. Rob Ford. Uh, so there's a new mayor in it's town. It's not his brother. Because his brother's now running. His Doug brother's Ford, like right? a councilman. No, it's some nice uh, yeah. thin white he guy was in like, a suit. He was know. like, the, um, this movie, Shape of Water, uh, is, it was shot in Toronto. It right. is Toronto. Right. The essence of Toronto is in this film. The crowd's seething with anticipation. Sure. But, you know, Sims and I, we're working, man. Yeah, we don't yeah, have come time. On, really like, come on. Get the movie. I'm like seeing another movie after yeah, this like, movie. I yeah. don't want to see this little circle jerk of Toronto. I want to <laughs> see the movie. Let's get started. Got my notebook out. <laughs> so then uh, uh, they bring out the cast and crew. Producers comes out. Light applause. Yeah. Uh, the cast comes out. Michael Stuhlbarg. Hey. Uh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. um, who's the woman? Michael Shannon. Uh, Sally Hawkins. Octavia. Octavia Spencer. Doug Jones. We're all like, yeah, nice, nice, nice. Okay. And by the way, I didn't really know who was in this movie yet because sure. I don't pay attention to these things. And then, um, and Sims, That's not your job. Sims and I are just like, yeah, yeah, come on, start the yeah. movie. Octavia, yeah, nice. And Guillermo's up there. He's having yeah. fun. He's and sort of emceeing. He you know. brings out, and that, we'd also like to bring out a wonderful man, Mr. Rink- Richard Jenkins. So out walks Richard Jenkins, and to my right, is David Sims. And if this was a movie, it, like the screen would have vignetted on him. Uh-huh. And yeah, there would be like a tracking zoom shot of me. If it, was, if it was Snapchat, hearts would have flown out of his head. And he did two things simultaneously. I have to do the line reading. Okay. I have to give you a line reading. At first, he cooed like he was seeing an infant, and then he downshifted into thunderous approbation, in which he went, he saw Richard Jenkins, and David Sims went, Oh, look at him. <laughs> and then without missing a beat, he went, oh, look at him. And then he just bolted upright and said, he is a god. <laughs> and well, I was um, very excited. It was, um, I've never seen a human being react that way. At <laughs> to a, a pre- guy fucking walking out on stage and yeah, yeah, be like, hey. Cooing you know. like he saw an infant and then seeing enlightened divinity before That's- his eyes. Can I tell you my favorite Ricky Jenk story? Sure, go, go. Oh, Richard J. So when I mean, he's got three he scenes in this movie. I mean, you know, God, this is not it. off topic. No, yeah. this, he's, he's in so blue, blue Steel. He he's is actually, in Blue Steel. It's crazy when he walks in. I was like, oh, maybe we'll see young Richard Jenkins. And a bald guy walks in in his suit, and you're like, ah, I guess he was born 45 years like, old. The youngest yeah. thing I remember seeing Ricky Jenks in is uh, Hannah and Her Sisters. And even sure. in that. Right, which is just a couple years, or right around the same he plays time as the this. the doctor who died. Diagnosis. I mean, he's 70. Right. He's 70 years old. He wears it, it well. He wears it well. Yeah. Um, God, he's he maybe, maybe for my money, best eyes in cinema. Wow. Do you know what I'm saying? He's, he's got, got incredible. He's got, he's got Richard eyes. Jenkins eyes. <laughs> Hannah and her sisters is his second film credit. So oh, it's about wow. his, his first is Silverado. 
Wow. Silverado. Tiny, tiny roll in Silverado. Chaps, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so my favorite Richard Jenkins uh, story, it's an anecdote, but when Entertainment Weekly does their issue after the Oscar nominations come out and they do their little profile of each of the acting nominees mm-hmm. and they always ask him how they found out, how they got the news. Yeah. Sure. So His, he was nominated for The Visitor, is that what it's called? The, right, for The Visitor. Which, the uh, white guy plays the bongos. Right, a yeah, movie yeah. I don't like. It's okay. But I have always argued that he should have been nominated that same year for Step Brothers. He He's should fantastic. Have been Best Supporting Actor for Step Brothers, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. maybe his finest performance ever uh, in in an amazing body of work. But uh, they said, like, so how do you get the news? And he said, my my son-in-law's father Whoa. called me father. at, like, noon sure. and was like, hey, congrats. Oh, right? wow. Yeah. And I was like, on what? And he was like, you got nominated for the Oscar. <laughs> So the two things to infer from that are Richard Jenkins has a really good relationship yeah. <laughs> with his son-in-law's, son-in-law's father. father. Which I, is so on brand. Is, yeah. Right. Essentially his well, sort of brother-in-law-in-law. Well, no, that's, that's <laughs> right. a, that, there's a Jewish term for that relation. That's called the mishpucha. Right. Right. It's the, it's the, it's the son-in-law's father is the mishpucha to right. you. 100%. Right. right. So okay. I love that, that Richard Jenkins loves his mishpucha. Yeah. But I also love that, like, no one remembered to call him. <laughs> right, right. His agent wasn't like, Richard, yeah. 25 years in this industry, you finally got a fucking right. Oscar so nomination. a leading actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In a you're there. You know, like, you're it was, he, with Mickey Rourke and Sean Penn. He snuck in there. Right. Uh, um, maybe they call them the wrong line. He's got a yeah. special line just well, that yeah, he likes on he's Saturday. Genuinely like, not one of those guys who's up at six in the morning right, watching yeah. the live feed and right. being like, like maybe it wasn't all it? the way down to noon, but it was maybe like eight a.m. when sure. the nominations are at like yeah. seven a.m. And he just said like his his five thirty his mishpucha. Am I pronouncing that correctly? You're doing it very well. Um, okay, yeah. called him and just casually was like, "Oh, Rick, by the way, congrats." Yeah. Like sure. he wasn't even calling to yeah, deliver he wasn't the news. Saying, he like, was Richard, like, I've got great great news for you. Right. Yeah, I guess no, they call like, every morning to talk about the newspaper or whatever. <laughs> you know? Did you see the Mets last yeah, the night? My favorite, they had yeah. that morning my favorite Jenkins is uh, flirting with disaster. That oh, is that's an unbeatable yeah. uh, funny performance. He is such a funny actor. You know yeah. what I also think? But he's but you know he's a bad guy in this. Yes, he is. Yeah, no, he's, he tries to melt steel beams in this. I mean, he uh, the blue steel. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, <laughs> no, I don't know where that came from. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's melt steel. Beam. He tries to. Uh, he's he's actually the baddest guy other than Runs. Yeah, I was going to worse than he is than exploiting. Silver. Right. Well, Silver's a Silver's a psycho. It's not his fault. He's right. Crazy. Where he is yeah. exploiting every institutional sort of like uh, thing. He's a scummy uh, lawyer. And he's I, a scummy lawyer. I, I mean, he's argue, a, a common type in an eighties crime movie. Yes. But but like beyond the pale and so slick and so but also while being so like frumpy and Jenkinsy and whatever. I would argue his entrance is the moment when the movie shifts into a different gear mm. and becomes very representational because then I feel like she starts fighting not Ron Silver but like unchecked male ego. Sure. Like right. the movie just like ratchets and then it's like he becomes yeah. supernatural. He becomes Michael Myers. He can show up anywhere. Yeah. He is unstoppable. No one can catch him. It's also the part in the movie when I was watching with my wife. She's like, this is dumb. <laughs> it's when it breaks reality. I love it. Breaks reality, but it's fine. I like it. I argue. But like, this is the kind of reality breaking. Yeah. Uh, humble brag. Right before recording this episode, David, Ben, and I. Oh, David, producer Ben and I. David, producer Ben and I. <laughs> David, the Ben Deucer and I. Mm-hmm. David, the poet laureate and I. David, birthday Benny and I. David, dirt bike Benny and I. Oh. David. The Haas and I, yeah. David Mr. Hositive and I, <laughs> David the Meat Lover and I, David the Fart Detective and I, oh my God. David the Fuck Master and I. <laughs> That's my favorite one. David and I, but not Professor Crispy. Right? No. 
were guest speakers at my father's class at NYU. My father's a professor at NYU, oh. and he needed guest speakers, and so we talked about podcasting oh <laughs> to his class. Um, they're graduate students at NYU. They're yes. Tisch graduate students. They're about to have their own sort of, you know, diplomas on their wall. Sure. So we had to tell them that Ben has graduated to certain titles over the course of different miniseries, such as Kylo Ben, producer Ben Kenobi, right. Say Anything, Ben Night Shyamalan, Ben Sait. Ailey Benz with a dollar sign, Warhaws, and Purdue Urbane. We had to let them know that. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Your job as a guest speaker is to give them a sense of what they have to look forward to. We're doing great, Griffin. We're doing great. <laughs> we talked about Mother a lot. We did. Yeah, no, Mother's a good movie. I like that. So I don't like Mother. Oh, all right. And my biggest struggle with Mother is I think you don't have a grounding character. Like in this No movie, anchor in Mother. Right. And No anchor in life. <laughs> I agree with you. I do agree with that. I do agree. I must say, I do agree with that. Uh huh. But I feel like Curtis in this movie, as you said, you immediately understand the struggle yes. of her daily life. She mm-hmm. is so relatable. You're rooting for her so fucking hard. Whereas I, I think by design, yes, uh, Lawrence is just kind of a cipher and a victim and represents a larger point in that movie rather than being a and real does, person does you not relate or, to. And you were not immediately oriented to her wavelength. You're kind of like the beginning of Mother, you're like, where the F it's am I? It's very hard to read her. Now, she is innately, agreed, agreed, innately a very empathetic performer, so that like helps you connect with the movie, and the movie also puts her through fucking awful bullshit. So it's like, if you have any sense of human decency, you're made uncomfortable if by what you're watching. tried to brace a sink, you're right. going to Which totally. it is tough, let me tell you. Bracing um, that sink. But uh, but that for me that grounding makes the other elements in the film, which are more representational, more terrifying, and and that works for me here. Yes, you know that I feel like Jenkins once he enters, it's like fuck, this guy's invincible now because he's got this lawyer. Right, he's got the law. Like it's gonna it's gonna come down to what the movie ends with, which is a shootout, which right. is like a Sergio Leone shootout right. on Wall Street with a pretzel cart. Right. He's hiding behind a Sabret's kosher hot dog cart. Right. And she's hijacking a car or something like that. Right. But and it's it, like this movie becomes not her fighting one guy because this one guy would be easier to stop. It becomes her fighting like unchecked male yeah. well, like right. ego run rampant. But also if I can pull it back a little. Please do. Fir- I mean so you know obviously she great you know the opening credits are over her reciting the NYPD pledge or you know and she's Bigelow's just a cop. fucking weaving images like 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 none other. <laughs> like the- agreed. Agreed. But if I just just to yes, hold on to please. your point that you guys are making. Um you know, one of the basically the first thing she does is a cop. She's in a convenience store. She stumbles across a robbery. Tom Sizemore, who was just he was he was his first role. Yeah, he was he wasn't part of the movie. He was just robbing a convenience store. <laughs> right. and she shot him. Um, Do you know my favorite version of that? <laughs> where joke Catherine Bigelow was like, "Let's just get the cameras in there." Yeah, what was my your favorite, favorite version of that joke, and I love that joke. I've cited before. It's a great joke. Yeah, right, yeah. the uh, the Pete's Dragon. Whoever uh, tweeted after uh, Joe Pete's Reed. Dragon, yeah. Joe Reed tweeted uh, the great Joe Reed. Great Joe Reed tweeted. Uh, I I love Pete's Dragon, but it was a little cruel of the filmmakers <laughs> not to tell Robert Redford that he was in a movie. <laughs> it's always Our a dragon in these woods, but. No, the other ones that I love, the other one that I love, I don't, I think this was a friend who made this to me casually, but maybe it was in a review. Uh, Envy, the Barry Levinson movie. Oh, sure. Ben Stiller, Jack Black. Right. A weird film. Very weird. There's a moment two thirds of the way through the film when they're driving a car in the middle of a dialogue scene and they hit Christopher Walken, who's crossing the street. (laughs) And then the last third of the movie becomes about Christopher Walken. And someone claimed that it was just like, they hit him and we're like, fuck, this movie's not working. Let's go with whatever Walken's doing. Like the movie literally crashes into walking and he just hijacks it. Um, That is... uh... 
But yes, Tom Sizemore at this time was right. a, a wool cap, a <laughs> convenience store bandit. They had the cameras right. rolling. It was and a then, Sloan's. It was a. It was a. You know, they don't have Sloan's in New York anymore. It was a. It was somewhere. This was a chain. Okay. Sloan's was a mini chain in Manhattan uh, that was uh, halfway between a convenience store and a supermarket. Sure. Okay. Sure. Sure. I used when I was in college. We used to buy um, twelve packs of Stroh's beer there. So to talk for New like York, nothing. Uh, for not much money. Right. To talk New York and New York specific, yeah. you'd say it's halfway between a Dwayne Reed and a Gristides. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're talking here. Right. Yeah. Only real New Yorkers yeah. will like t- this episode. But you know, Dig, that, that scene, but, though. R- well, that scene, we can, t- we can talk about that scene, but just to, I can't even barely remember what my point was, but she shoots him for robbing a convenience store and right. having a gun and pointing it at her. Uh, and I, yes, the gun disappears. Well, Ron Silver takes it. Ron Silver takes it, yes. Yeah. But still, rav- any cop, like, you know, like, she she can't even perform the basic sort of function of a cop, the male function of a cop. Which where is like to he plant drew evidence. on me. Sure, well right. that's true. Right. As well. <laughs> right. uh, like e- immediately, she's called into question because they they don't buy it. Like, no. yeah. oh, the yeah. gun disappeared. Yeah, sure, it disappeared, lady. I think you you were probably like, uh, oh, you were you know having a fit of the vapors and it, you it saw an imaginary a he said, gun. She said, and right. you see them questioning everything. And she's it's like doing he said, she said right. he was pointing a gun at a fucking cash guy, like yeah. you know, the cash register and, man. And you're just you're watching the movie. You go like, they would never treat Gene Hackman like this. Exactly. They would never it, treat Nicky Rourke like this right. like that's but he's, you want to talk not, about she's that not scene part, well she's not part of the club clancy brown it goes in there to tell a lewd joke doesn't even see her sitting there yes, yes. Which, clancy brown fantastic in this but movie, that scene the that the way that scene plays out is like kind of like here's a scene that's a thesis for the entire movie yeah, yeah. is like this guy comes in doesn't even notice that she physically exists in the space <laughs> sure right, right yeah. hijacks the movie for 90 seconds to make a gross blowjob joke yeah. then takes note of her and is like shut the fuck up it's, it's immediately uh, shuts her down it's a great way to it's a great way to get you in the audience to feel enraged right uh, and you sympathize with her so much and um what I wanted to say though about the the scene in the supermarket though is just the yeah. way that it's shot because mm-hmm. um I you know Michael Mann could do no better. It's just got the 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 look of it is so great. It's very bright, very very bright, it has, harsh fluorescent. Harsh yeah, fluorescent lighting. has all the the um, brands. You yeah. got like the old logos of brands, mm-hmm. which I love in movies. Um, and the blood when she shoots him is well, like bright red, really like arterial. This movie has incredible squibs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's slow, a lot of slow motion shooting. Yeah, and you know, even though she is protecting herself, she does kind of unload three. Well, that's the thing, and she's she, got a hand cannon, like you know, she like shoots the shit out of him. Yeah, she doesn't just nick him; she blows him away. You guys want to know a story about NYPD revolvers? Please, as a, from my days as a union reporter. Uh-huh. Yes. So the uh, NYPD used to carry a six shooter revolver. Uh, for like many, many years, well past the time that like semi-automatic pistols were available uh, because it's impossible to get anything changed uh, union-wise and equipment-wise. And then the transit cops got 15-bullet like clocks, oh. like, you know, what, what the cops all care. Right. And when that happened, the NYPD were like, oh, all the cops started protesting. Hey, we got shittier guns than the train cops. Well, they got to be faster than speeding bullet. Yeah, right. So now they have these <laughs> guns where you just, you know, you can just uh, empty a magazine in a few seconds. But yeah, she's got a, old-fashioned giant like yeah. 44 revolver but, and, I, but i do feel like there's a thing this is what i miss about bigelow working in sort of a heightened genre space and i understand that became like a little bit of an albatross around her neck in terms of not being taken fully seriously as a filmmaker so once she had the opportunity to free herself of those shackles she did but i think she is one of those people where like this movie is so good at playing into all the stuff we like about these genre movies, being yeah. fetishistic, being super stylized, but then immediately like deconstructing, commenting on it. Where like 
you have this scene where she shoots him too many times. The blood explodes way too much. It's sure. in slow motion. It looks fucking gorgeous. Yeah. And then immediately she's called into an office and they're like, what? you didn't need to shoot the guy four times. <laughs> yeah. But like, of course, in a movie you do because it has to be like right. exciting How many times thrilling. has Dirty Harry done the same thing? Right. right. But yeah. that's the thing. If she's Gene Hackman, like you said, yeah. I don't they go think like, they're great like, jeez, you're really unloaded on that guy. Yeah. Right. Where you, you know, come on. One shot wasn't enough. It's, like, uh, it's a hell of a thing. And, and I think that this movie and, you know, we're three dudes talking about the well, feminist, that's the thing. feminist right. implications of this yes. film. But be that as it may, I think that this movie is at least more upfront about its quote-unquote feminist aspects mm. than Zero Dark Thirty is. Yeah. Which yes. never, which no. goes out of its way to not talk about that. And just right. be the movie and steamroll through its plot. Sure. You can read into She's certain things. She's the motherfucker but, who found. Right. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. I mean, you can read into it all you want, but yes. but it's not on the surface the way it is here. And, and I don't think to the movie's detriment at all. No. I think that if this movie... Like, if Catherine Bigelow changed careers after this movie, sure. it wouldn't be as well-remembered as it is now because Bigelow went on to do great things, win the Oscar. Yeah. But I do think that this is the type of movie that once in a while would show at, you know, uh, the Quad or the Alabama yeah, Draft sure, House right, or something. Right. And everybody some, would be like, thing. be like, oh, man, I love that one. Have you never seen the Jamie Lee Curtis one? This feels one? like the movie to yeah. be rediscovered. And when we were at the NYU class and we were talking about doing Bigelow and we said, like, we're doing Blue Steel right now. Has anyone seen Blue Steel? No one. Yeah. I was like, it's this great Catherine Bigelow movie, Jamie Lee Curtis. And everyone was like, huh, I didn't know that existed. Yeah. But it does feel like this turning point where you imagine if this movie had connected and not even if it had been a huge hit, but if it had done maybe 25% better than it did, yeah. that this would have sort of cast a die for the next eight years of Bigelow and Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. This would have been a new phase in Jamie Lee Curtis's career. And I also think it's not coincidental that after this, Catherine Bigelow doesn't really do another female-led movie until Zero Dark Thirty, which is far less overt. I mean, Shape of Water, kind of, but Shape of Water is such a weird fucking all over the place. Weight of Water, sorry. Right, right. Um... But I think um, I, I think there was a perception of like yeah. this movie was ghettoized as like, well, people don't like action movies about women, it, which every 10 years someone would try to make one and yeah. it would be discounted. And then they go, well, you can't make, you know, it's Electra. You can't do right, this. Right. right. And that is unfortunate because I suspect that the, 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 the lack of success this movie had had more to do with this distribution model. The fact that Vestron yeah. was bought by something I agree. else. I think, right, this movie was just doomed. But I also think that Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah, she was a weird star. They, did, a, they did struggle star. to well, there, have her open movies. There yeah. is um, a cool aspect of this film that I really like. And I want to talk to you and to the audience sure. about gender fluidity in this film. Okay. Shoot. <laughs> Colon. Um, because it's a theme, right? Yes. I mean, the, the, we talked a little bit about the, uh, you know, the the guns and right. the penis envy and, yeah. uh, and and his his schlong and and all the Michigas there. And Jamie Lee Curtis does have masculine face. Yes, you know that's part of her allure. Right. Sure. Ron Silver wearing a lot of makeup in this film. Does yes, yes. and He's sort of almost bronze. The yeah. close up. The big scene where he's like getting all hot and bothered, put your gun on me, baby. You know, that all, which is not really the actual line, but no, uh, but I mean, not that, far off. Yeah. Um, there's there's shot reverse shot, and she's looking very masculine, and he's got big, luscious red lips and mm-hmm. some eyeshadow. Yeah. yeah. And he and, wants her to point the gun at him yeah. and pretend to shoot him because he's like, he can't understand how to use this thing, right? Like, sort of. The, that, I mean, right? That's yeah. sort of the I mean, idea. Do you, think, do you think people got yeah. got freaked out by that? Is that maybe why it didn't get the reaction back? This nineteen nineties, long yes. time ago. No, for sure. This movie's weird. But, but again, people yes. might have been going in being like, "Ah, lady cop, I get it. She's a lady. She's a yeah. cop. Lady cop, I get it." And then Ron Silver's in there, and he's like, 
no, no. You it's know, also like, a movie yeah. about like he's like a super villain where his like origin story is he saw a sexy woman fire a gun once and it broke his mind. Uh, yes. You know, like truly he sees right. this right. woman walking. broke his mind. This movie star enter a convenience he store. He couldn't handle it. Shoot a gun three times and he never is able to like yeah. recover it's from like that. It's like a kid who reads his first Wonder Woman comic and can't handle it. Right. I mean, here's, here's a concept, uh, uh, like a thing that I find interesting about this movie is you look at like 70s, 80s, 90s cop movies, right? That's sort of like this three-decade period where cop movies are like a really big subgenre before it starts to like wane, right? I would say. And it, it, the sort of uh, seedy cop movie, let's say, right? Right, right. Sort of the uh, anti-hero cop. The anti-hero yeah. cop movie. And I feel like you have two types of cop movies. You have like the the cop who's going through some sort of personal life crisis that somehow mirrors the case, which becomes the, like, obsession, right? City Lumet's Prince in the City. Exactly. Or even, like, something like, uh, you know, French Connection, where there's not, like, an overt life crisis, but he's, like, a fucking mess of a guy who's just obsessed and committed to this one fucking thing. Right. And right, he's, like, right. a dirty, sloppy cop. Yeah. Literally dirty. But that's like, what old cop movies are, are right. often, where it's, like, this guy lives in a goddamn shithole. He has a pork pie hat. Right. And he's yeah. just like, hey, you do the crime. You know, like, uh, it's before right. the sort of hero cop. Right. Uh, so then right, that's right. the other one is the, like, super stylized sure. hero cop. This guy can do no wrong, right. even if he's crime a little unconventional. Disease, meet the yeah. cure. You right. Know, this guy's going to fucking, like, and, take. And you think this is sort of like an in-between? Or? I think, yeah. I think it's doing, like, a third thing that doesn't exist. It's existing in this weird gray area. And I, I think the opening scene of this movie, you see the credits. They're very fucking stylized. You have all the, like, you know, money shots. It's like. Okay, this is just going to be a cop thriller, right? This is just going to be Jamie Lee Curtis placed into some sort of, you know, Pacino cop movie or yeah. whatever it is. Right. You know, like a, a middling kind of like sea of love or whatever, right? And then uh, you go to the opening sequence, which plays out exactly how you would expect this movie to play out. Jamie Lee Curtis is going down the hallway. She's got the gun. She kicks through the door. Yeah. There's the sort of junkie couple. Right. She takes the guy down. She tries talking to the woman. The woman takes out her gun. Yeah. And then it, it's the Kobayashi Maru scene. It's the Kobayashi Maru. Right. 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 It's right. the beginning of Monsters, Inc. Yes. You know, it's, oh, this was all a test. It's also, she makes two movies in a row that basically start with a training sequence. Because Point Break starts with Keanu. Uh, yes. Uh, shooting the targets. And then right. Going. But yeah. this is, we're dealing with the type of scene you expect to see at the beginning of this cop movie. Yeah. And then it goes like, no, this is fake. This right. itself yeah, is yeah, a yeah, fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially, right, that sort of ridiculous, like. Like, ah, no, it's me or her. Like, right. you know, you can't shoot me. I have a human shield. Like, right. that's sort of very movie. And, and the way premise. the reality breaks is, like, Curtis going like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's such a great yeah. pullback. Oh, I would say God. it's almost as good as Star Trek Two. the way they pull almost it back. Almost as good. And, but it's a great, like, oh, whoopsie. Right. And it's so human. Because it really almost great. feels like you're watching outtakes where she's like, fuck, yeah. I missed my line. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, you know? yeah no, right, like, right, right. She right. immediately realizes what she's done wrong. Yeah. She didn't take the woman seriously as a threat. Yes. Oh. In the situation. Oh, you're right. You're right. I didn't you're even right. catch that. Yeah, I'm a you're, dunce. you're totally right. Of course. She was concentrating on the guy. Oh. Right. And then it turns out the woman has. How did I miss too? the most? Uh, the, that's the movie in, in, in micro. And yes. I've seen, and I'm allegedly a film critic, and I did not catch that. Well, we're a bunch of dumb idiots. You know, we don't know That's the thing I love about this movie. This movie has a lot of scenes like that like the Clancy Brown blowjob story scene where like yeah. the whole scene represents the movie in micro yeah. you know like all the things it's dealing with we should point out that Bigelow co-wrote the script she did yes. with Eric Red who she also writes Point Break with right Eric the Red Eric the Red <laughs> uh, he came, Terry, Terry Jones's Eric the Red yeah he came back from uh, you know conquest in <laughs> Greenland or whatever in right. the 8th century what else has is. Eric Red done is he uh, is he only Bigelow's uh, we'll, we'll talk about him 
um, briefly. No, sorry. It's uh, it's Near Dark, not Point Break. Yeah, I got sorry, that wrong. Sorry, so sorry. he wrote no. Near Dark with her. Then he writes this with her. Uh, then he writes, yeah, like nothing. I mean, very yeah. little. Like, he, I mean, he writes scripts, but they're like movies I've never heard of. Does she get another writing credit on one of her films after this? Uh, let me find out. Well, yeah, because she, yeah. Oh uh, no, because she doesn't. No, Mark Bull. Bull no, she, has well, no, I know Bull, but yeah. she, I was going to say, well, she has a writing credit on Strange Days. She doesn't actually, although she did write that movie. Oh. Right. Uh, the Weight of Water, uh, no. K19, no. Yeah. I, I do love and that. Yeah, of course, Bull has written the I, last three. I love that this is a New York movie, and um, there are some New York uh, iconic scenes, but there's a lot of shallow focus of like this yeah. takes place in a very artsy. 80s new wave and you know she did her original background uh which she, she was, was an in art, the art new york yeah. art scene she right. worked at the whitney yeah and um you know and then kind of got out of it but still you know this might have been her salute and to her youth in do a you way, know she that? used to flip apartments in soho with philip glass I, I, there was an there was a new yorker article right isn't that, that crazy yeah no there was a lot and she did a lot of those video um art she was an actress actress she was if if what one does right. if what one does in video art installation is called she was, acting, she was a performer she, and performer, she, and she yes. modeled right. a little bit. I mean, yeah. she was existing in all these different spheres of the art world. Yeah. But I watched this movie, and this movie feels like a sort of howl of all that she had been through and had to bite yeah. her tongue through of just not being taken seriously in right. these spaces, having to work twice as hard. And you also go like Catherine Bigelow is a is a very very good-looking woman, oh, right? Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah, of course. And this movie, everyone keeps on saying to Jamie Lee Curtis, like, you're so pretty. Why do you want to be a cop? Yeah. Sure, oh, that is a, a dating classic scene. refrain. And they yeah. think it's a compliment. You know, they right. keep on saying to her, like, you know, I don't know how to say this, but like... I love that scene, though, because where does she live? Like, City Island? Like, where? where is this that she's yeah. supposed to... Her, her parents uh, well, are from? Well, the parents, I don't know. I was thinking more about the scene where she goes to her friends. That's apartment. no, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah it's not it's her felt parents. like Queens or Staten Island it's, or something. But like, aren't you know? they like on the water? I couldn't really figure it out. But anyway, yeah. And then the guy's like, "Oh, why do you want to be a cop?" Yeah, and drinking she's alone, saying, bro. I like shooting people. Yeah, that's such a great. Uh, what is it exactly that she says? She says, "I like, I like shooting, slamming people. people's heads against the wall." That's yeah, what she says yeah. to him, right? Because it's when she's in the. Um, he asked her why she wanted to become a cop. She says, "I want to shoot people." That well, was in the. That that's was in the. That's in the car with her partner, right? And then, and then she's kind of like, "Yeah, from age four, I wanted to shoot people." And there's like silence for a second then they laugh which is a good right uh yeah it's great because you know you know that she's joking right but also it's like shut the hell up or i'm gonna start meeting this uh you know? yeah like, exactly. I'm, eventually i'm gonna give you the real and answer. she's also sort of putting your cards in the table where she's yeah. like yeah you don't get to just kid around yeah like f you well, you, you get to kid around you don't around ask it. everybody else i mean and then there's a the thing with the father she's right. you know well her, so philip we'll bosco well, 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 inventor of bosco yeah. okay no, i don't want to jump because i think you know she has that training scene where she fails but she still passes right uh yeah she sure. joins the force yeah. and then we get a lot of like super awesome you know bigelow like here's her in full uniform yes. here's her and fully she's zone. taking pictures with elizabeth pena right yeah. and, and this cop uniform looks so fucking good sure like i was sitting there watching it just feeling like a fucking slob you know because it's like <laughs> here's like a movie star right in like a perfectly tailored cop uniform looks that good. looks so iconic yeah. she and is- i just was like i wish i could find clothes <laughs> that suited me as well do you know what i'm saying though? i do i but do this know is like what you're an organic saying. point i'm making in relation to the movie i mean here's something i thought 
I feel like Mac Weldon is better than whatever I'm wearing right now. Like I feel. Can I speak honestly here? I didn't even see this. I know this is a side tangent. I know this is a side tangent. But will you allow me to say this? I of course I'll allow you to say it. Yes, please. I'm not. I'm not going to cut you off. I know I like to cut you off, but please talk about. I ramble a little bit here, but I got to say this. If I can speak from the heart. Yes. Okay. And this might be sloppy. It might be loose. All right. All right. I'm flying off the handle here. Okay. But I mean, we all know that Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. We know that. Sure. We know that. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I think not everyone knows. Maybe it's good to tell people. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm I'm not a comfortable person. No, you are not. In any sense of the word. <laughs> yeah, you dress like a child, I think, to to try and deal with that. A hundred percent. Right, right. But right. also, I- You value comfort- Above everything else. Yeah. And it's a daily battle for me, being not comfortable. I wouldn't even say uncomfortable, just- mm-hmm. Perpetually not comfortable. Sure, yeah, better way of putting it. I think it's the same as uncomfortable. But but I'm trying to make a distinction. He wants to make a distinction. Point he is not here. comfortable. I'm not comfortable. A comfortable. I'm a comfortable. Uh-huh. And I feel like my body naturally wants to go into a fetal position. So sure. anytime I get clothes that make me feel like like the weight of the world is briefly off my shoulders, sure. right? Yeah. You're talking about comfort. I'm talking about comfort. We yes. know that Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants that you will ever wear. Sure. We know that. Yeah. I think they have like We a... know that. Does everyone well, know that? That's what I'm saying. You keep saying we. I think people need to hear about that. Okay. Well, then I'm going to... Can I open up a little bit here? Uh, Sure. <laughs> I, I sweat a lot. Uh, yeah. I mean, New York City, it's been a sweaty summer. But I got bad sweat glands, okay? We're all sweaty guys, but, right, Jordan? But, but oh. I'm really little. I'm really little. Yeah, right. You're not maybe the same. You don't read as a sweaty guy. I don't read as a sweaty guy, Jordan right? And, and I'm not very guys. physically active. You're both sure. tall men, you know? You yeah, get, yeah, you, yeah. Got, you got some size to you. Yeah, we got some heft. I'm this little shrimp. You're a little shrimpy guy. And I don't move at all. Sure. I just sit in air-conditioned movie theaters, and still I sweat like John Goodman, constantly. Right. So. You know, the fact that they have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are na- naturally antimicrobial. I mean, speak up. I mean, I, I think you're right. Sil- uh, silver underwear. Okay, it's- I will speak up. They have a line of silver <laughs> underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. Yeah. It's a shield. It's like, it's like she gets a shield in Blue Steel. Yes. You get a, you get a shield. You get a shield. It eliminates odor. That's the thing. What? Imagine- where are we going to? I mean, this is all so great, but where? How, I mean, where are we going to get this stuff? You got to go to MacWeldon.com. Are you kidding me? Is there maybe like a, like a discount or something? Well, here's the thing. I love Mac Weldon. The yeah. only thing that could make Mac Weldon any better is if I was only paying 80% of what they're actually charging. If you're, you might say getting 20% off. I like to pay a full 80%. <laughs> Jesus. But that's where it ends for me. Uh-huh. It's not 20% off. It's 80% on. Now, sometimes you go to these websites and there's a promo code box there and you don't have a promo code and you feel like an idiot. Uh-huh. And you go, God, I guess I got to leave it blank. Well, this time, you should leave it blank. Hey, right. By typing in the word blank. Yeah. You want B-L-A-N-K. 20% off. A-N-K. They want you to be comfortable. I've talked to them. I've been talking to Mac Weldon a lot. Yeah, they're sponsoring our show. They've it's been very sliding exciting. into my DMs. I've been sliding into theirs. I've sure. been sliding like Giffield, okay? And they, do you know what they told me? I don't even know if I should be saying this on the air. Do you know what they told me? Go ahead. In confidence, they told me. That if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you, no questions asked. I actually think that's public information that they yeah. want. No, I don't know about that. They might get angry. I might have to cut that. that out. I might have to cut that out. Well, all I know is twenty percent off Mac Weldon. Go, code you put blank. in promo code blank. That's what you want. Go and, to macweldon.com. And and not only does their underwear, promo socks, and shirts blank. look good, they perform well too. They're good actors. I'm I'm sort of struggling to wrap my Mac and Weldon around it. Yeah. 
You can uh, put this clothing on a stage. It'll perform You've well. used it, right, Jordan? Promo code blank. I have worn their underwear. Uh-huh. I, I think... I think look, this is it's, like, it's a strange thing podcasts make us do. Talk about our underwear. Well, but you, you, know, usually you only have to talk about it for 60 seconds. Sure. Well, we're, we're, we're Griffin's kind of going we're bananas down. here. Griffin's telling me to stretch it out. Griffin's stretching it. And you know, the, you know about the microbial shields? I, Silver I, I, underwear. I put them on. I blasted a fart. My wife didn't know a thing. Hey, that's that's the greatest endorsement I could ever I hear. blasted <laughs> that's it. That's all I a want. pretty good endorsement. Hydrogen, an H-bomb in her, in her uh, direction. Normally, that's a that's a get out the sure the what are these things called the rolling pin? <laughs> okay, what the hell is he doing? No, you know, you're shaking the, a rolling. I'm pin. making a joke about wives. Yelling oh, at I husbands. see. Like you're the old battle axe. Yeah, yeah. yeah Normally, yeah, yeah. if I do, you know, because you know, I you, you treat your ladies nice. This uh-huh. is a great episode for you to you know bring up that kind of metaphor. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, let Very me, good. Let me just say say this. I want to settle a Goes rumor. Goes down easy. Oh. <laughs> Drinking it, baby. Settle the rumor. I want to settle one rumor right here and right now. Yeah. Silver underwear. Okay. Now we're talking about Blue Steel here. People might go, ooh, Ron Silver underwear? Sure. He is not such a great guy in this movie. No No. good, very bad, don't do it. Right? No. 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 Think of this underwear as your Jamie Lee Curtis and think of those odors like Ron Silver. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to keep it away. Yeah. It's like- Smell um, good. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks good. It looks good for working out. It looks good for going to work, going on dates, everyday life, whatever okay, you want. enough. <laughs> no. Yeah, let's do more. Look, maybe you're like me. Maybe you want as many layers of clothing on <laughs> all right, Griffin, all right, at all, all times. Right. I'm you don't you want off. anyone to ever see your body. Sure. But just for yourself, at the end of the night when you're changing, you want to look down and see some Macwell. And that's all I'm going to tell you. The problem is- I love the... how we even went long there, Ben's annoyed I, with us I, on that. I just can't even. I don't know. I don't know. Same with Blue Steel. <laughs> You know which precinct she belongs to? Which one? It's on her collar, the 22nd precinct, which is the fake precinct. The 2-2. Two, two. Oh. Uh, because they, that, that was renamed the Central Park Precinct a little long ago, so it no longer exists. I know. Yeah. Um, Just okay. wanted to bring us back in with that. So she quickly gets put into the job, right? You see, you see her at her graduation. How soon, because you saw her for the first time last night. Yeah. How soon did you know that Elizabeth Pena was going to get killed? I was really hoping she wouldn't. <laughs> but like the minute, like the first well, scene, it's a like. A character like that, you're like, what's the uh, purpose what's the of function? this character? Right, right. right. But she's yeah. like, oh, I'm so happy. You're like a sister to me. And yeah, like, like, oh, they're not gone. even related. They're just friends. Like, Good she's friends. Gone. She's gone. She comes to the graduation. Right. I've been to those graduations. Uh, lots of family and friends come to them uh-huh. at one police plaza. But uh, it's, uh, this is her family. Is sure. uh, that this is her family is a little surprising. But the, yeah. t- the two of them are so great together. Yeah. Elizabeth Pena. Another deceased person, Late great right? Elizabeth Pena. We have a couple died. Yeah, because Ron Silver died. Elizabeth yeah. Pena died. Wait, no, when did Ron Silver die? He died like two Ron years Silver ago. Ron Silver died a little while ago. No, right. longer than that, really? I think. Uh, 2009. Wow. Because, you know, the funny thing about Ron Silver was how he turned into this arch conservative. He was like the James Woods of his. Of well, two, but he wasn't. He was like a classic Hollywood liberal. And then in the Bush era, he turns into this arch conservative oh. uh, who was like very pro-war, you know, and very like pro-Giuliani. He sort of became Ron Silver's character in Blue Steel. Well, and that's the thing. Well, yeah, but like, but, you know, in the West Wing, in the first in like maybe the second season, he plays like a Democratic campaign consultant. Oh. And they brought him back for the seventh season to play a Republican campaign consultant, which I enjoyed. I liked that's that cool. they nice. and he's yeah. and his character within the West Wing is like, yeah, no, I kind of have kind of changed my mind. But a he lot wasn't like like James Wood is it, right now is like a maniac. 
right? I mean, he's like I, I don't even level. want to talk about that guy. He sues people. He freaks me out. Oh. I love him though. Such a good actor. He's great. But but yes, yeah, he's, he's, he's promo. He's code very blank. very very. Yeah. <laughs> is is Woods? Uh, let's just say, is Woods the most? Outspoken. outspoken Hollywood yeah. conservative. Well, there's like Scott Bayo or whatever. He's a you know, like he's there a, are these people who are a little more like fringy. A, like a firebrand. Oh, um, you know? Voight. Sure. John Voight. Right? John Voight. But, yeah. but Voight, I think, is more like a McCain level conservative. Yes, right? he's always been a conservative. I think, there, is Woods the only. Tr- was, was Woods and Scott Bayo, which is embarrassing? No, there's the others, only? though, because there's like. There's Woods all those guys that will like go loudest, on Fox News though. and be like, yeah. I think Donald Trump's great or but whatever. Who else? Well, Kid Rock. I don't know. Yeah, nobody. Like, I think I think Woods is the only. One who of uh, any merit. Antonio Sabato Jr., right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he was uh, another one. Stephen Baldwin, Gary Busey, right. uh, preview right. for our point break. Yeah, but yeah, right. it's mostly these sort of fringy celebrities like which, that. Yeah, like, who haven't really been a big deal in 10 to years. To endorse, like. Which is sort of true of James Woods, too, sadly. Yes. Uh, although I still always enjoy seeing him on screen. Was Woods radicalized by playing Rudy Giuliani in that TV movie? He loved Rudy Giuliani, though. That's why he played him. He also, demanded that role. So Woods has always been an asshole. Like there have been. Woods has always been a really strong personality. I right. think. And there, he's yes. played. He's played ultra liberals before. What was yes. the one true believer? What was? Uh... Yeah, and he played Roy Cohn and in in uh, Citizen Cohn, uh, right. which you know is not a positive movie. Yeah. Right. But there's yeah. Mississippi Burning, where he where, plays like. No, no. It's it's Ghosts of Mississippi. I always oh, right. get those two confused. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there he is. There is Gary Busey. No, uh, oh Mississippi Burning. He plays uh, the guy. It's right. essential. I mean, he's play, I think he's the villain of the movie, but he's also like he's this racist right. who's later right. being like dragged in front of court many years right. later for Ghost this bombing. Goes yeah. to yeah. Mississippi. I keep you. Know, he, you messed me I'm up. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and then right now he's turned. I don't know. James Woods is a uh, freaky. I, I think yeah. he always was. Byron uh, That's who he plays. Yeah. Was was uh, difficult. Yeah. And I think he is antagonistic in a way that maybe some of those other people aren't. Like Stephen Baldwin's very loud about his support of Trump, but he's also not like starting fights with people. Mm. He's just kind of like speaking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess when you're Woods, I mean, he's, um, you know, he's not young and he's he's uh, probably got a, a good amount of money and sure. yeah. he feels invincible. And what does he care? There, uh, there yeah, was sure. the last. He does like to see people though. So Woods' role, I remember, was uh, White House Down, where yeah. he he's great in that. But he also plays like plays modern the, day James Woods. He plays the mm. like the presidency's being corrupted. We have to take it back, right? But he also, yeah, he is willingly playing the villain, right? That's what's weird is like you realize maybe James Woods was playing his own philosophies, maybe very often he, in he, films, but always framed he as knows the villain. Right, right, in the right, right. that's the know. last movie he made. Yeah. Well, every actor says that they never. Think of themselves as a villain, right? Right. That's what truly. I mean, that's probably why he became such a good movie villain because he was always like, I mean, but this guy's the hero of the movie. God, I forgot they remade Straw Dogs. That Rod Lurie remade. Yeah, I never saw it. I never saw it either. With James Marsden, our generation's Dustin (laughs) Hoffman. I mean, no disrespect to James Marsden. I love James Marsden. I think he's a phenomenal actor. That's the the wrong person to play that role. Who's the 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 Kate Bosworth? Kate Bosworth. It's it's anyway James Woods is in that movie. I think of Beckinsale when you say Bosworth. Kate Bosworth's the one who's in Superman Returns. I can't picture. Uh, She's Lois. Luke Crush. I picture Kate Beckinsale. She has two differently colored eyes. She's a little bit of an anonymous yeah. actress, I guess. She never really hit. She was in uh, Beyond the Sea. She's the she was she was the previous Alicia Vikander to me. Yeah, now you're I really can, disrespecting Alicia Vikander. Yeah, I can't. I can't you're about Academy Award winner. I can't Alicia picture Vikander. her. I don't know what she looks like. Do you know, she's, she's vapor. She, she's she's very slender and sort of uh, you know she's yeah. got more. But of this, a, ha- and I'd like to bring this up actually because I, I had an interesting conversation. 
everybody has their own whatever this is. There are certain actors that you just yeah, that can't you're remember. Face blind about her. Yeah, I'm face blind about Alicia. Vick. I've That's seen her fine. in ten movies. I don't know what she looks like. I love that. Apparently, Laura Croft can only be played by people who just won an Oscar. Laura Croft. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. You're right. It's true. <laughs> right, because that was like Jolie's almost immediate follow up to winning the Oscar. Yeah. And uh, right. there aren't a lot she wins of in brand yeah. name female franchise heroes, right. you know, and like, I think with Vikander, they were probably like, well, let's see what we can put you in. Like, let's right. see what we can build around <laughs> right. you. And it's like, we know this what's works. going like, yeah. I guess, mm, uh, uh, how about a Lara Croft reboot, right. you know, and they're doing the reboot that's like the, the video game, the video reboot, game reboot, where right. it's like more of just like she's a gritty action adventurer yeah. who has a pickaxe I'll and say can this. climb a cliff. I saw that trailer. First what? half of the trailer, I was so on board because it was so puzzle focused. Like the first half of that trailer <laughs> yeah. has her work in like 12 different puzzles. Yeah, yeah she likes puzzles. And then once she starts jumping like, off cliffs, I didn't give a shit anymore. All right, guys, let's talk about Blue Steel because we're- uh, Are there puzzles we're, we're in Blue Steel? Uh, you know what there is not <sighs> in Blue Steel? You don't never know what's going to happen next. Okay. The only thing you don't know about is Richard Jenkins getting him. Well, you think she's yes. got him. Right. She's got him. And then old Ricky Jenks but comes in. That's what I love. Okay. A more conventional movie would have gone, hey, the conflict of the movie is she's dating the guy yes, she's trying to hunt that would be the down. whole movie. Right, Instead, they cut that off. Yeah. halfway through the movie, right, so she's a cop, she yeah, shoots Tom Sizemore, Ron Silver takes the gun, he starts shooting people, right? Right, but, but let's say like- she, And he's also carving her name into the bullets. In the rain. Yeah, the yeah, the yeah. other in couple the things that are set up is, okay, Elizabeth Pena's her best friend. Uh-huh. You fear that Elizabeth Payne is going to be a victim in this movie, but you also go like, God, it's so rare to just see two women be friends in a movie. And does have, this movie like, pass the best sell test? 100%. Yeah. Does because it? they just have fucking does, right? casual conversations, sure, right. right? Yes, yeah. Um, Men are not really discussed in, uh, yeah, at all. Yeah. There's one, well, there, I mean, there is the one. She this, tries, she's trying to introduce yeah. him to guys, but yeah. yeah. Um, but, that's, but it's cool. But Okay, so you get that. Right. She's seemingly career, you know, focused. She's wanted to be a cop forever. Everyone's ragging on her for not having a boyfriend. She doesn't really give a shit. You see her home life. Her dad resents the fact that she's a cop. I can't believe my fucking daughter's a cop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that dad sucks. And his parents, right. Her parents are caught in this abusive relationship. Right. Yes. yes. Right. Louise Fletcher is clearly very supportive, but very kind of broken and Uh under the thumb of this gross fucking abusive dad. Right. And she sits uneasily with her father. Um, and, and vice versa. Yeah. And she's just, now I finally get to be a cop. I've earned it. I get to kill it. And she goes in the office and no one takes her seriously. And right. she shoots a guy committing a robbery and okay. everyone's so like, so oh, the, I just want to set that up as the background I to get that. it. But I then, get it. Right. Then you have and this so moment. How did steals- Ron Silver get out of that that re- that supermarket? I know. He just vanishes. I don't know. He's Again, a supernatural there, character. There is somewhat something right. somewhat supernatural. But, but I also him. love, like stylistically, as we said, there's a lot of shallow focus. There's a lot of fog. There's a lot of bright colors. Beautiful movie. She's across the street getting coffee or whatever. When she sees the robbery happen and she goes into the convenience store, immediately very deep focus. Yeah. She's very connected to her surroundings. As she's rounding this corner, you see him in the in the background of the shop while she's in the he, foreground. He's also the slowest holdup man ever. Well, because he's like, yeah, come, he's on, come like, on, come on, I'm come not ordering on. takeout here. Like he's got like three lines. <laughs> he's, you know? he's doing a monologue in his acting class. <laughs> yeah, like he's exactly. really trying to milk it to get his like a hundred dollars worth for right. sure. Right. He wants a lot of stuff for them to be able to note. But then she has this heroic hero moment. It feels like this is the moment that would make another cop. Yeah. But A, the gun gets away. I love these fucking shots of Ron Silver just sort of like idolizing the gun. And then when it lands there, so like beautiful. fetishizing it. Ron Silver does some amazing eyeball acting in this movie. Yeah. I, I love Ron Silver. I'm just just yes. to be clear, he's the best. He's great. Uh, I would love to know. I would love to see this in a the theater mm-hmm. because it looked good on my TV. Oh. 
Yeah, I, I didn't even they look pretty great on my TV uh, too. Yeah. Say, what did you watch it on? I watched it on Amazon Prime Video. Great. Amazon so Prime did I. Prime yeah, you know what I did on Amazon. I decided to try a be a miser and try something new. I watched this on Tubi TV, which I heard I it's streaming on. Tubi what TV? is this Tubi well, TV? It has ads, I, I, right? Yeah, Tubi TV is no good. Okay. I mean, here's the All thing: right. okay. I saw probably the same transfer that you saw. Yeah. But every five minutes there was ads. Oh, that's sure. sad. Yeah, but I can't, can't handle it. It had right. no. It had no. Um, but it's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not like some fake right. company. It's well, I use a Roku, had, so I went to yeah. Roku, and I feel bad. I have a friend that works at Tubi TV. I hope she's not listening. Oh, but sorry, I went right, to uh, my I went to my Roku, and I yeah. typed in Blue Steel, and I said I could pay three but three ninety nine for Amazon. Sure, right. Get or money I could, to a great company. I could try my little Tubi bad. TV action, and we tried it, and it did feel. I was watching my wife, um, who had seen it before, also, but. It was, uh, you know, there's a lot of bathroom breaks. It was, it was, it was, TNT. it was like watching a movie on television in the old yeah. days. Yeah. You know, Jordan, I went to the bathroom. Did yeah. you get also like local commercials in your screening? Wait, I, did you get yours? I got a you main furniture company. <laughs> like where it was like insane. You watched it on Tubi like, TV? Like come on down to yeah. Banger. I like, didn't. Yeah, yeah. Like We're on local, Route 8. It was like a local commercial. No, yeah, yeah. I did not. I got, um, there were like the same, uh, 10 recycle like every sure. every it was so i got to see a lot of them and it turned the volume down um but it was not local stuff it was like you know, I don't know, yeah, chevrolet whatever. or whatever yeah. it was it was normal ads but that's funny um so uh in, in, until the day that i'm really broke which could be next week um i don't see myself using 2b tv that much sure. if i have a four dollar option on you, amazon you gotta but, go to amazon you gotta, uh, i you like gotta, it right. looked good on amazon uh yeah, yeah the, the, but particularly the shot of silver and the eyeball, the eyeball act is when I notice I'm like, this movie is gorgeous because like the, yeah. the floor is like beige and the lighting is so weird and his face just looks so great. And she I would love to see this really in the beautiful, theater. really yeah. unsettling images. Um, but yeah, so you expect like the kind of heroes welcome and she comes back and they're immediately like he said, she said, well, where's the gun? This and that. Like everyone's just giving her the fucking business and the run around with the comb. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and the ridiculous hair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the great Kevin Don just uh, yeah he's the uh, pencil pusher who's like hey listen you know you didn't follow regulations one of our most frustrated actors I love Kevin I Dunn. love Kevin I Dunn. think he's the best uh, it's so weird how Woody Allen has put him in like six movies to play the same role which is the guy <laughs> who lets you into the country home that you're going to be staying at and he's like anyway I'm going on vacation I'll see you later you know and he's wearing like a silk shirt well you know the th- the thing I like most about the first Transformers, and I think one of the reasons why I defend the first Transformers so thoroughly yeah, is him be- and Judah, Judy White. Right. But yeah. it's so uh, small soldiersy where he plays the exact same role in small soldiers where it's mm. like his son who's kind of a fuck up. And then he's got these weird robots <laughs> that keep on following him around. And he's just trying to like, like what? son, what are you doing? <laughs> and why is he peeing on the lawn? Right. Why is he peeing on the lawn? Opti- is it Optus Prime, Prime who pees or Bumblebee? I think, I think it's Bumblebee. Bumblebee who pees. I, I haven't I think seen that Bumblebee movie in a long pees. time. Amir Mokri, who's shot this movie uh, shot Transformers 3 and 4 okay uh, and I think Transformers 3 is a great looking movie. It's a great looking he, movie. He has become yeah. a big blockbuster 3D, DP. sort of, Because yeah. he did Fast and Furious. He did Man of Steel. He did Pixels. What else we got? Pixels. Uh, Bad Boys 2. He's like, a, but he yeah. started out as Wayne Wang's Pixels has, DP. Has, Interesting. Pixels has P in it also. Qbert P's in Pixels. Oh, great. Uh, Pixels is a great movie <laughs> about a failing president who like really struggles to confront an alien invasion. My favorite thing about Pixels, I turned it on and I was, me and my brother were watching it being like, this movie's going to suck, right? And immediately it's like Kevin James is at the podium and he's sweating. (laughs) And it was like a month into the Trump administration and we were like, this feels 
This feels I, very relatable for some reason. I just want a reboot of Pixels from Qbert's point of view. Sure. Sure. Like bring make the movie all about about Kubert. No, Kubert's in uh, Wreck It Ralph too. They do a lot of Kubert jokes out there these days. Kubert's been booking recently. Yeah, he switched doing agencies. Great. Yeah, they yeah, got yeah. him in the Midnight Raid. A lot of like Kubertese <laughs> jokes. Yeah. Um, can, can you confirm something for me? Yeah. I heard that in the movie, Kubert uh, uh, at one point transforms into Ashley Benson from yeah. Spring Breakers, and then Josh Gad has sex with Kubert. Yeah. That's correct. So it's and a, then they have children. And they're cute. That's like babies. the postscript. They're like half Josh Gad, half. They're Q-Bert. like Arbert. They're not all the way to Because <laughs> Because they have sexual intercourse when she looks like Ashley Benson. Yeah, he's yeah. he's not fucking the Cubert tube, right? I, don't, I mean, it's not explicit. Who knows? He might be okay. fucking the Cubert tube. That's, I don't know. Anyways. That tube knows? Yeah. That'll knock you right off the pyramid there. Oh, boy. You. Okay, so Blue Steel. Um, so they, they immediately like dock her, and oh, they're right, just right, like, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, we talked about right, that. You're but an what emotional I talk woman; about you is, can't control yourself. Then Ron Silver's fascinated with her, so he approaches her. He does this whole uh, flim flam with like, "Get in my cab, we'll share a cab." He it's waits raining. by the um, he waits by the station house to put her in. A but cab. I also, yeah. I love at this point we've gotten the first of the sequences of Ron uh, Silver on the trading floor. Where he's caught in these sort of big wide shots, Sell. right? Telephoto, like like yeah. zooming out. And, I'll buy that soy. And yeah. this guy's just so fucking impotent. Like he looks so stressed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's desperate to get people's attention. But now he goes home and he just strokes this gun, strokes and he feels like gun. a person for the first time. <laughs> and you know, he starts laying it on with Jamie Lee Curtis, taking her on dates, fancy dinners, right. like saying how great she and he's is. So the, charming. The impl- he's well, charming. Yeah, he's good at that dinner, and the implication. And he's funny in the cab. He says yes. that he has a yeah, fun, he's very charming in the jokes. cab. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But the implication is that he's not a hundred percent committed to kill until it's thrust upon him. I mean, he does carve her name in the bullet case. He carves her name in the bullet case. Then he goes for a walk in the rain. In and the rain, he trips. And a very nice guy, kind of looked like M.M. at Walsh. It wasn't M.M. at Walsh, sure, but a, a nice, nice middle-aged man. A ni- yes. it was like L. In M. a raincoat. Yeah, it yeah, shows yeah, yeah. up. It's the second time I did the same joke. Hey, 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 but, uh, I can't yeah. wait for the third time. So, so L. Emmett Walsh is like, hey, buddy, all right. Like, yeah. oh, my God. You and fell the gun in the has, like, spilled out of his hands or right. whatever, of his jacket. It's on the floor there. And they make eye contact. And he's like, buddy, what are you doing? And then he scene picks is up the gun super out. slowly. And, that and the guy's like, hey, wait a second. Hey, <laughs> hey, continue to stop raising that gun. <laughs> but it's almost Sorry, like man. the gun in this movie is like the one ring. Like once he has it in his possession. <laughs> he's kind of like looking at it and looking at you and yeah. looking at it and, and looking at you. And he becomes so obsessed with the power Absolutely. of it. Yeah. And that's what that opening credit scene is about. It's right. fetishizing the gun. And, he's got and, a big metal dick now. And he yeah. can kill people with his cum bullets. So Shoots that, all right, all right. He shoots that guy. Um, but no, but the, I just, I mean, I'm trying to remember, is there much of the dating before he then asks her? Because well, our got, original he, point, like yes. 20 minutes ago, was halfway through the movie. 50 minutes in. Yes. He's like, uh, why don't you take the gun and role play shooting? He wants right. to get pegged. Right. And, and then she yes. figures out this is the guy so who's the been first carving date, names into my bullets. So the first date, he walks her back to her place, and she goes, like, do you want to come inside? And he's like, no, I'll save that for later. And you're like, ooh, what's yeah, his he's play release, here? Sure, like, he's showing sure. restraint. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. she goes back to work. I believe there's another killing, and they're like, you seriously, you got no fucking read on this? Right, the cops don't understand why the bullet casings have her name on it. And yeah, I think one I, of them actually makes a joke name? like uh, her name is Megan Turner. Megan Turner, yeah. and the only other Megan Turner in New it's York is like an 88 year old lady, right. or whatever. And there's a great line like, unless he's into oxygen, unless he's got an oxygen tank fetish, he's into you. Right. right. And they right. have one line of thinking, which is like, 
no angry ex-boyfriends. Like, they just keep right. on assuming there's some guy you dumped. They, they, it's her fault. Right. They think it it's has to her be fault. her fault. Yeah. Blaming the, literally blaming the victim. And I think we've already had the scene at this point where she goes to Elizabeth Pena's uh, cookout, her backyard cookout. Yeah, and, and yeah. As I, we, we have dunks on that uh, guy. Right, this fuck of, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who just goes, you're so pretty, why do you have to be a cop? Right, right. And she just like, yeah, he's well-intentioned enough. She does, I mean, she she dunks on him, but then sort of pats him on the head but and goes like, like you're okay. Nice work, kid. Like you say, this is, Easily could have been a movie about she is a cop and she's in a relationship with a guy who's a serial killer and she doesn't know it. And right at the end, it all comes to a head. And she right. In fact, that's what right. you think it's going to be. You yes. think this is going to drag out until the very it's last scene when game. she goes, right. oh, my God, you're the killer. Yes, ah! it was you. And instead, you, yes, you halfway also, through, yes. she's like, no, it's you. Goes to the cops and the cops are like, what? He was creepy? Like, yeah. I, what, this well, isn't no, enough. Co- but the cops do have her back. Clancy Brown Clancy, has, Clancy her, Brown Brown has, has her, her back. back. Not everyone has Jinx. her back. But Clancy Brown's like, mm, all right, all right. She, I, I can, no, I can buy this. And then the chief is, sort of has her back. Yeah, kind of. But no, they're not. They, certainly they can't arrest he, him. But no. the chief's kind of distracted because his son keeps on playing with robots. Um, <laughs> I No, but I think, uh, you know, there's the element of... Um, the the second date she goes on is when they're like really hitting it off, yeah. right? Yeah, and she's finally they're, they're allowing herself, out. right? And this is like the kind of guy she yeah. wants to be with. Like the whole movie, she's been like pushing away these fuckboys, right. and it's like, okay, this is like a grown he's a up professional. He's a professional. He's, he's not to, like an outer borough guy. Right. She's in Manhattan yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. got the big city bright lights, and she meets a guy with prospects who and, lives in a very nice apartment. And the second date's the helicopter, I think, right? And, yeah, and right. she does right. It's the Superman. It's the Superman thing, and there yeah. are those amazing like the really? helicopter photography yeah. going around like it's the like Statue Tron. of Liberty. Yeah. It goes on for a while. It sounds yeah. like Tron. She's got this really cool like it's very similar to the Tangerine Dream score in yeah. Your Dark. But she does this thing. I love it's it when Brad filmmakers Fidel, do. The, uh, uh, com- James Cameron collaborator. Okay, the music. Yeah, music and this is great. You know the. Dun, 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 yeah. dun. That's and she, did on the she does this thing that I love, which I think like <laughs> helps aid the dream state of this movie when it starts to get to this like fever dream kind of state. This is when I think it starts slipping into this where she uses like one kind of repetitive like looping track that carries over through a couple of scenes unchanged. Music wise. So, yes. So yeah. you have a few scenes that are playing out in full that then have this quality of feeling like a montage mm. because the same basic musical cue is playing throughout their dinner date. To then when they're in the helicopter, the photography, them in the helicopter, him walking her back to her house, them starting to make out. And you're like, okay, here, this is like, finally, she gets to have some fun in her life. And then he starts getting weird about the gun. Yeah. He starts getting really weird about the gun very quickly. And at first she's kind of like, okay, I'll engage with this. But kind then, of, yeah, at yeah. first, the the, the sec the gun the gun scene like right. at first she's like, no, I'm not gonna pull my. But then he's like, come on, baby, and she's like, well, fine. If this is your ju-? thing, yeah. There's a yeah. moment of like, you want me to do that? I'm not well, gonna I kink guess. shame. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of like, all right. I mean, it's probably like guys have asked me to do weirder things. Right. I mean, all right, I'll think about it. But that then then, then she it goes it clicks for her like yeah. oh yeah I see and but then uh, he starts talking about God and Revelation. And yeah, right. well, the brightness. You know, he's seen the brightness. He's having time. Have we already uh, <laughs> seen him have the workout yeah. breakdown at this point? But he has like three. Right. Yeah, he's three also, there's one scene is clutching his sheets going, yeah. the demons in right. my head. It, it yeah. looks like he's in withdrawal. Like it's he's yeah. like it's hysterical. Those scenes where you're just like, we, we would, we'd buy that he was going crazy. Yeah. We don't need him to be. It. I, I, I like it. it too because it's just, it that's operatic. Yeah. Like, I just think, talk, let's talk about Ron. Like who else, like casting Ron Silver is a choice. The man is. Yes. 
The man has a distinctive look. He does. Jew. He's a big Jew. I can say this. He's a honking Jew. But, and, w- right. We're talking as a couple Jewish men here, yeah. but he's also- I mean, a- this is a man who has re- uh, recorded four, not one, not two, not three, four Philip Roth audiobooks. Sure. Has he really? <laughs> That makes American pastoral, so plot against America. Um, I married a communist. Portnoy's complete. Those are all very also, good. He's but, also a very specific brand of like too slick Jew. Yeah, he's a but, kind of yuppie Jew that but, is very indicative of this time period. Yeah, and also sure. like there's no explicit Jewish content in this film no. anywhere. No. Right. But like anybody who knows New York knows who this guy is. 100%. And, and most reasonable people. But you know, you cast, I mean, those shots of him looking at himself in the mirror with this yeah. big schnoz in, it, yeah. in the center of the frame. I mean, it's it's not, you know, it's the real deal. No, yeah, for sure. But this is the, I mean, I think of him as the villain in Time Cop, right? I mean, this uh-huh. is the yeah. sort of beginning of, he, he also, he's a great yeah. uh, slime ball. He's well, the right, he's played a, Alan yeah. Dershowitz, for God's sake. Yeah, he did. Another but you get to ball. like, this is Good like, movie. he's in the slime ball. I like that movie. You don't like that movie? It's all right. It's all right. It's pretty good. It's He's pretty in this. Ron Silver wears a really nice suit with no tie and like quietly menaces the lead character phase of his career, <laughs> which by the time you get to 1999, Heat Vision and Jack, which was like the great unproduced He's, he is so wonderful pilot that, the uh, Dan that Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub wrote and Ben Stiller directed with Jack Black and Owen Wilson. Uh, he plays the villain and the villain is Ron Silver. It's Ron Silver playing actor Ron Silver. Right, right, right. Okay. Who is the crime yeah. boss that is terrorizing this talking motorcycle and, a, and an astronaut. Um, so by like the end of this decade, it became like, it got to the point of self-parody. Right, like and who th- Ron was Silver this the was. first one basically? I think this was kind of like the, the beginning of that real tilt into like Ron Silver uh, Do you want me to take creep. a look at? Uh, Wait, wasn't he in a Jean Claude Van Damme? That time Cop. That's what time I'm saying. Right, He's no, the villain was, in but Time Cop. Was that Cop. after this? Yeah, that's after this. Okay, it's '94. He wasn't, of course. He's um, yeah, because he's in. Well, let me think. I mean, he's in Silkwood. He's in Enemies: A Love Story. He's in. Well, that's uh, a real movie. That's not. Yeah. Uh, well, those are real movies. Uh, you know, but yeah, no, I think he's still pretty. And then yeah, he's Dershowitz in Reversal of Fortune, which is the next year, or it's actually the same year because this movie actually came out in 1990. Uh, Klaus von Bülow once called me on the phone. Uh, the real Klaus von Bülow was very funny. Really? Yes. Uh, my mother was doing a story on him yeah. later in life. I can't remember why. Oh and God. I picked up the phone at home and I was like, hello. And he was like, this is Klaus von Bülow. Is your mother home? And wow. I talked to Klaus von Bülow for a second. So he was um, Dracula. He was doing a Dracula impression. really sounded day. like Dracula. Yeah. He's in Mr. Saturday Night. Remember that movie? I, yeah. Dude, the, that uh, is a flawed motion picture. It's a very is. flawed movie. That's uh, like a really interesting flawed he's, movie. Yeah. I forgot. He's in Ali. Uh, he plays uh, Angelo Dundee, Dundee, who is right. like his like trainer. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad Ali's yeah. trainer. But I feel like he becomes like a TV guy. Like yeah. he never quite, he's always just like, he's around. He's Ron he Silver. He also was like watching this movie in particular. He I was, was in like, fair and hype nine 11. Okay. The what? documentary about how much Michael Moore's bad. Watching this movie. <laughs> Jordan just made a great face. Fair on hype. Fair and hype. Nine oh, 11. Fair and hype. It's a fake okay. word. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Watching this movie. I was like, Ron Silver was a great actor, you know, dubious politics aside. Perhaps he would have gone on to give us several more great performances, you know, uh, if he had continued living. But you watch this movie and you're like, man, Ron Silver was like really created to be in the pocket for like an eight year span of time. Sure. Yeah, like there yeah. were eight years where culturally Ron Silver represented something. The that water was, level and he met right, perfectly. Right, perfectly. And, then, <laughs> and then they moved on. Right. He's yeah. great on the West Wing. I want to, you guys clearly are not That's West Wing. That's what I'm oh, saying. No, I like the West I'm yeah, saying yeah, he's yeah, a great yeah. actor and he did great work up until the end and he would have continued to do great work, you yeah. know? But there was like a point in this where you're just like, geez, it's like they created Ron Silver in a lab so he could have played this role. <laughs> I agree. 
agree with you, but I actually, I know what Jordan's saying that he's, you know, he's not an American psycho looking guy, right? He's not like this sort of Teutonic or like waspy, like Wall Street bro with the slick back hair. Which I think is the only reason that he's able to successfully seduce Jamie Lee Curtis. You presume she wouldn't go for a guy like that. There's something Ah. kind of earthy He's a little, yes, he's he's got ethnic, if I may use that. Right, right, right. He's a street level guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I wish I could remember the line when they're in the cab. He does. He makes a pretty damn good joke. Yeah, uh, I forget what it is, but um, and he has that moment where Bigelow goes to like extreme close-ups when they're at the restaurant, and he says this whole thing about like, I can't believe I did this. I, I never do stuff like this. You yeah. know, it's just amazing. I'm sitting here with you right now. And he also shows regret for being a commodities trader, which right. seems legit. That <laughs> scene. He's well, like, I mean, we know he's unsatisfied right right he wouldn't go around killing he wouldn't people go around otherwise. shooting people in the rain but he's like yeah. disarmingly introspective and vulnerable in that scene which i think is the key is that he's not just like laying on the charm but it feels like he's being very honest with her yeah. which really kind of engages her and his apartment is not like modern no it looks no, like a, it looks yeah, like yeah, an right. old palace it looks he like, doesn't, a, a, like a like a museum almost he like doesn't have a lot of slick modern right. late 80s early 90s googaws he's got like yeah, Gugas is such a good word. He's got like kind of like first of all, like the lobby looks like a museum, and then like uh, once you get into his place, it's got like you know thick mahogany chairs and secret library rooms and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's kind of an odd thing for you know a bachelor commodities trader in 1990. But then so. once once you get to this 50 minute mark, when the gun thing goes a little too far, and he starts talking about the brightness, she realizes what is going on and sure. she you know calls the cops for backup they come in they're like lovers quarrel we don't want to get involved with lady stuff you know not our business um and jenkins comes in and immediately is like you got nothing you know he's a frazzled lawyer but but he clearly knows the moves yeah and you realize oh she's fucked now this movie didn't make ron silver being the bad guy, a twist at the end of the film, it didn't make it a parallel narrative cat and mouse thing where you wait for her to figure it out. The movie now yeah. is she should have all the pieces. The movie should be done, but she can't get anyone to take it seriously. Yes, right. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's it, like trying to deliver her print and they're like, mm, yeah, right. they're like, and it, build a case. You don't have enough. And it's a type of thing where it's a, it's an allegorical for just, you know, women in the workplace come up with a brilliant idea. Right. Only when a man repeats it that they like it. Which Clancy Brown becomes her mouthpiece. Like he starts after initially being the most dismissive of her, recognizing that she's got something, but also that she is so intrinsically tied to this case. Aside from the fact that she's now, you know, pointing the finger at her latest tryst, also her name continues to be carved into these bullets, this killer's at large. He knows that somehow it's connected to her. So they give her this temporary detective status, which at first he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like anything but that. Yeah. You know, you have to reinstate her because she's been benched at this point. And now they're kind of uneasy partners. But he starts to realize that she's got she's got the guts. She's got the real bones of a great do, cop. Do you find Clancy it? Brown's terrific in this. So he, he's a really good performance. I, I, the I, hair and is, I love, I love the him. Yeah, his hair. Well, that's another actor where when you see him young, you're like, oh, yeah, I guess, right. All of us were once yeah. young. You do, know? Right. Do, do, oh, we got to put Clancy Brown in the oven for like 10 more minutes. <laughs> yeah, cause, I mean, and then that, he'll be cooked. That guy's a real like yeah. 90s cartoon villain of a face. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that guy looks like he should be fighting the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Highlander. Yeah, he <laughs> well, was yeah, a he or this whatever. This is yeah. one of his most realistic performances yes. ever. Yes. Maybe right. the most. I agree. But do you find it disappointing that they, they sleep fall, together? That they sleep together. I kind of do. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I do too, and I'm not sure why they have. To I do that. suspect it also comes like 
real quick Very in sudden. the middle of a goddamn rampage. It's yeah. just, I suspect that that was a producer. You know, Edward R. Pressman was a producer of this film, as and- was uh, Oliver Stone. Uh, I didn't. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but well, carry on, carry on. I suspect that that was a note that mm. they had to do. Yeah. I do, I would not be surprised because it also the sex scene itself feels a little like perfunctory. Nineteen ninety. Yeah. 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 And it's thriller. Weird. Sex and there's film. a lot. I mean, it's kind of funny to see Clancy Brown's tongue, and there's a lot yeah. of his tongue, and that's <laughs> sure. a glorious thing that we should all have screen right, caps on our phone. I mean, don't get me wrong, but and that's also uh, I think where like Bigelow's influence comes in, where it's like, okay, you want me to do a sex scene? <laughs> it's all going to be a testament to the male tongue. Like that's right. all yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. show you. You know. And and what may have not actually been Jamie Lee Curtis's stomach? It could have been a sure, stomach. You sure, know? I, you know. So anyway, it, it it is upset. I mean, it serves a plot function. He's waiting, and she's finally relaxed, and you know, having sex with somebody, and then right. he's in the in the bathroom, and then he's naked, jumping around like right. Yeah, you know, it's but, crazy. But, but there's but, that moment when she kind of goes into his arms and they hug, and I was like, I really like the fact that they didn't kiss right now, yeah. and then they start kissing, and I was like. Oh, it's a disappointment. It's the number one problem with this movie. I also for feel me. like we don't get enough films about men and women working together nope. who respect each other and have no sexual tension yeah, well, whatsoever. Right. It just if you I see, I never mind if people end up together as long as there's, you know, chemistry and romance and like, you know, like there's some sort of spark between them. But like I mean I, they they have the uh, you know, we're not so different and you know, we're yeah. great, you know, they have the mutual respect. But uh, it just doesn't do enough to suddenly be like, oh, they're going to be. She's also his boss. Like, she's being threatened and harassed and attacked from all sides. I don't think she let her guard down. Her best friend gets gunned down. I mean, that's I guess you could say the only thing is that she needs a human connection right now. But it seems, uh, you know, what it would have worked if somebody close to him died too. Sure, you know, but it seems almost gets him killed. Yeah, it seems. It seems like. It just it's it's just wrong. It's the just, timeline it's also is yeah. just kind of crazy for how condensed things become because yeah. it's like right she goes to see Elizabeth Pena she's freaking out about how she can't get this guy but they're still just sort of like you know it, the the way a friend you need at a time like this a shoulder to lean on right and they're walking out casually and what oh my God Ron Silver's in the stairwell. He like comes Michael from behind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, truly, this is they where he really starts to become do like. almost get this guy like three times and he keeps coming back. And he yeah. starts looking progressively worse and worse. Now, right. He goes from being very slick looking yeah. to suddenly looking like a lunatic. Right. Um, but we shoots need to Elizabeth wrap up Pena. soon. He's I know. giving yeah. you the high hat. He yeah, achieves yeah, yeah. ultimate Ron cutting you off. Yes. Uh, shoots Elizabeth Pena and now she's kind of flipping out because she's like, my best friend just got shot. And Richard Jenkins is like, but did you see him? And she's like, I know it's fucking him. He was right behind me. I know his voice. And he's like, but your back was turned, huh? Yeah, it's which, just like this whole right. system. It's yes. so, that scene is so frustrating because you're right. like, literally, she was in the room. He shot her. Yeah. They, everyone was in the room together. There's no ambiguity here. But that's the tension right. this movie is largely yeah. And I think that's of, the, the bigger story is right. like, they'll never take you seriously. Right. And he you will know. constantly, guys like this will constantly get away with it. I know. He's like a Wolf of Wall Street type. It's just like, he can do whatever the fuck he wants and no one's ever stopping. Right. And, the, and it's uh, not to get too political and up in arms, but it should make us all angry because yes. this is, uh, we are all gentlemen in this room, but we all have women friends that have come to us with stories, I'm sure, where not in the case that Ron Silver is trying to kill my friend, but. Right. I we, had that once in high school. We, I know yeah. we've all had women friends that have said, yes. my boss won't listen to me. Right. And it's because it's, it's, it's on the, it's on this, uh, it's in this film. Like, I think this movie is trying to make above all else, men feel angry. Like, I feel yeah. like a primary function of this movie is to be like, can I dramatize? We are what? We are men. We are men. 
And I felt angry watching this right, movie right. in a po- but it in a good makes way. Everyone feel angry, right? But yeah, I get I, I get what you're saying. But it's almost saying. like it's it's playing it, in a male genre, like uh, you know, it's, it's a higher stakes, dramatized, action oriented yeah. version of the basic battle against the patriarchy. Right. Which is which is a little funny footnote is you know I said I was watching it with my wife and she thought the last third of the movie was dumb because it sure. is dumb. Yes, I agree. and I'm like, but it was it great is. though, and she was like, yeah, it's kind of dumb. And then I started yelling at her, sure. like, like this feminist movie more. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. yeah She's yeah. like, it was good, but the end was dumb. I'm like, no. Right. You Hoffmansplained so, her. I don't know. I Hoffmansplained her. I, I don't know if I was splaining or just, I don't know what the hell yeah. it was. It was late and we had, and we went to bed. I mean, I like how then, uh, dumb it gets at the end, but it yeah. does get dumb. Like she just starts swinging for the rafters. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the, the to, to, you know. Their final confrontation were, again, squibs and he's oh, like the yeah. terminator at this point she keeps on shooting him yeah, he, keeps he keeps on keeps getting away so he keeps ridiculous. on reappearing anytime she walks into a room and it's shot she goes, right on wall street which yeah. is great yep. it's his turf uh he's hiding as I mentioned before he's hiding behind a pretzel hot dog stand we've all done it but you know he she goes downtown from the hospital because she's hiding in the hospital because something else happened i don't know uh, the scene the switcheroo in the park he right. out, how he outwits. Them. That's a Neil Simon play, right? Yeah, switch yeah. He outwits There's also her. The, the other two good scenes with the parents. The one where she goes oh, home she, and she recognizes yeah. that the That's father's right. beating her again. She arrests the dad and yeah. sits him in the car. Yeah, and it's just That's like, an interesting scene though because it's sort of right. It centers the dad. But you also get the sense that that's why she's actually wanted to be a cop her entire life. Yeah. Is she's wanted to find a way to stop these inherent no, no, wrongs of, that of, keep uh, on no, going on No, the straight line is easy to draw there. Yes. Right. But then that scene, isn't that scene kind of, he, she doesn't end up arresting she's him. She's just like, come on, please stop fucking beating my <laughs> yeah, mom. Right. It's like, fine, you're getting away with a slap on the wrist. And then the next time she goes to see the parents, Ron Silver's there. Right. Right. And she's <laughs> yeah. like, can I talk to you guys alone? And they're like, come on, we have a guest that here. It's a nice Jewish boy. That scene is quite strange. It's right. Really yeah, where they're like, great to meet you. Uh, They're happy that she's got a man. He's Fletcher, man. Yeah. Right, but he's become the Terminator at this point. No, I like, know, yeah, I know, it, I know. It's ridiculous at the end. Um, but the thing that really drives it over the top is she's in the hospital because Clancy Brown got shot and he got she got shook up, and uh, she leaves the hospital and she she bashes another cop over the head to steal his suit. Yeah, wearing his suit. Which I guess you could interpret as, yeah. you know, she's finally achieving masculinity. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't read it, it that way. Would have been easier but... to order from Macwell then. Right. So she's wearing his his clothing, lacing up her Converse, and um, goes in. Oh, yeah, she is wearing Converse. Yeah, goes in the subway. Magically, he's there. Yeah, right he, behind her. He gets away, and then now it's daytime, even though it's night. Goes up at, right at um at Wall Street and Broadway with um the church uh what call church right behind her mm-hmm. um uh, Trinity Church yeah. yeah Trinity Church downtown and then he's just there and then it's then it's Sergio Leone shootout at the yeah. end yeah and it is she uh, gets a bullet in the shoulder and he gets like I don't know like three in the chest a lot at of least. slow motion yeah. cars and then the ending of this movie is almost identical to the ending of Zero Dark Thirty. Where it's one woman who has been methodically, obsessively just trying to stop this one man right. who she cannot get her hands on. Mm. And then the final shot is her sitting in the car silently and you just see the shock of like, what is my fucking life now? Yeah. It holds on her and then the credits start rolling over. But it's just her sitting there silently, going, okay. not crying, not celebrating, but yeah. just sort of like, what the fuck is my well, life? She does get eight. I mean, how do you interpret the symbolism of a man takes her out of the car and kind of holds her kind of like a pieta if you will but does she and i was thinking i wanted her to like shove him away and walk out on her own she doesn't it also feels like they finally it's like they're like finally 
carrying their weight and All like right, supporting that's a, that's her. That's, that's a nice what I would answer. say. I like that answer. They, she's finally had to like again. She's a semiotician. We talked about it. You yes. know, back in the day. You know, right. So she's, she's the not men are literally like visuals. holding her up and, and oh, so it's like um, she's a presenting her to the gods. Yeah, They're, okay, that's a that's, that, that was my interpretation. I like your your ending is is the ending I want. I as a negative, uh, cynical bastard interpreted it as like ah, she's still she's still subservient. But your reading is much better. Yeah, I mean, I I think this movie will continue. Like if they made Blue Steel two, she'd probably still be doubted by everyone around her. Right, you know, she'd right. work up to a higher ranking. They might say you're the one who stopped Ron Silver, but we still don't trust. Why did it take you so long? Right. You know, try to get Ron Gold. Right. Right. No, but why, why, why didn't you rest him sooner? Well, I tried. Right. I tried. I fucking tried. They should make a sequel now. They should. It would she, be, would, oh. she should come back on the force now, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. I'd watch it. They're bringing back Halloween. Blue Platinum. Bring back. <laughs> boy, oh boy. It is weird now that like this movie's title is totally ruined by Zoolander. I know. That's that's another weird thing. Blue Steel. Because oh, Blue yeah. Steel is a cool title. No, it's a decent like, oh, title. It's a New York cop and she, yeah. it's about a steel gun. Yeah. Everything about this movie is cool. Uh, yeah, this movie, this movie is very cool. And I think, I think, uh, you know, Bigelow. Those who are interested in Bigelow, this is. Uh, I think it's in her top tier for sure. No question for me. I top think it's three. better than. I think it's better than Point Break. Me personally, I'm gonna see how my final ranking shakes out. But I it's, think. Uh, yeah. I think it's Zero Dark Thirty uh, and and um, you know uh, the Footlock, the, whatever the locker, the Footlocker, the yeah. Footlocker, well, and this yeah. are his are her best. I like K19. Don't get me wrong. You like K19. You like K19. What's there to like? I don't know. I don't we know. struggled with that. That one. movie's well, miserable. Like, yeah, Spoilers. We know. struggled with that. One. Spoilers. No, that movie's all right. Don't Unless get... I'm confusing it with another summary. You might. Be you might be confusing it, it with another. Who's in K19? Harrison Ford, Liam Neeson. Is there like a scene where they like send somebody in the back to his certain doom to they fix do. something? That's like yeah. that's what the movie is. It's about. a radiation poisoning. It's not that bad. It's it, boring. It, it's not like a it's comically a, bad movie. It's, it's a, just it's handsomely qu- boring movie. It's quite a dour, long yeah. movie yeah, where maybe not a lot I happens. All I remember is they send like you know, come on, Brooklyn, yeah. go in the back and save the ship. And he's like, I can't do it, boss. And then he does it anyhow. Already, this sounds better and more <laughs> yeah. more lively than K nineteen. I want to play the box office okay. game. Yeah. Uh, March 16th, 1990. This okay. movie debuted at the Sundance Film Festival, strangely enough. That wow. is amazing. Now, I think this is, you know, we're talking 1990 Sundance. Yeah. It's a little bit of a different scene back then. Sure. Uh, it was a Vestron film that got lost in Vestron's bankruptcy. Vestron being the video company that suddenly started making movies like right. Chopping Mall and Dirty Dancing and whatever. Uh, people weren't happy with it. It came out later through MGM. It got picked up by MGM. It gets right. put out. It opens number five okay. at the box office with $2.8 million. Yeah. It makes eight. Yeah, not great. Uh, point uh, two. And it costs like 16. Yeah, I mean, it costs yeah. about twice as much. It's so it was uh, right. it was not yeah. a hit. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but number one at the box office Don't is a submarine movie. In its third week, it's I'm, a huge I'm, box office. Right? It's got to be the hunt. We're hunting. Uh, with Mr. Sean Connery and Mr. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, that is a pretty the movie. The movie still holds up. So this is, is that talk- McTurnan? That's yes. McTurnan. Yes. I still have never seen that film. Oh, it's good. I'm holding first, that for when we do our McTurnan series. The first, Which yeah, we got to right. do at some point. Oh, I'm all, you know, yeah. McTurnan. Really? That guy's a wacko. <sighs> That's also quite a rise and fall. March 1990, is you saying when this was? March 16th, 1990. So I was only four years old. I was older, but I did not see it in the movie. You were five. What? So you're one, you're going to tell me now what was number two at the box office? Number two at the box office is a comedy, sort of. Very strange, uh, fantastic sort of comedy. It's a notorious critical bomb 
in a beloved actor's career. Uh, the actor is more well known as a comedian. Or? No, he's just like one of the most famous actors alive. Oh my god! In 1990, that have been Jack. Uh, Jack comes later. One of the most beloved actors alive. Yeah, and, to this day. Uh, when was his peak of his career? Are we at the peak right Where, now? No, the peak of his career will begin soon. He is the king of the 90s. Oh, it's got to be a Jim Carrey. It's a Carey. TC movie? Not Jim Carrey. Huh? Is it TC? No, not Tom Cruise. But... It's not Bryce Willis? No. It's not Arnie Schwartz? No. No, 90s. 90s. Uh, I mean, he's big in the 80s, too. Don't get me wrong. He's but already an Oscar 90s nominee. blows up. It's not Robin Williams? No. Wait, I, I'm... It's like the most famous actor alive. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who is the most? It's Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom You're Hanks. Close. Tom Hanks. Tom oh, Hanks. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, so it's got to be... Uh, you said it's not good, though. Uh, it was. A, it, some people like this movie, but it was at the time sort of a, a critical flop. It's not big. That can, oh, no. Joe versus the volcano. There we uh, go. John Patrick Shanley's Joe versus the volcano. There we go. I can't believe we didn't think of Hanks. Uh, yeah, a, no. I mean, how does one describe Tom Hanks? Yeah. You know, beloved everyman uh, yeah, for right. twenty years, in and Hollywood. he was Mister Nineties. Uh, he was uh, yeah. King of the Nineties. Yeah. Practically King of everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Heart. Joe versus the volcano, which grossed a totally competent. $40 million. Yeah, that's not bad. For March release. Adjusted Considering that movie's reputation. Yeah. Yeah, uh, weird movie. People people were, as I say, I'm older, so I, I remember when, I remember people not seeing that in the theater. We're angry. Right. And he was kind of the new guy at that point. That was like a yeah. viewed as a misstep. Well, yeah. Meg Ryan also was a big deal at the time. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right, right. Now, number three, I may be telling tales out of school here, but I'm pretty sure this is a movie your father worked on. It really? is a gritty adaptation of a book that had been ad- adapted Lord before. Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Oh. The 1990 Lord of the Flies. Never it's much more it. violent, right? My, I've never seen uh, it. Yeah, Balthazar Getty. My father worked for Lewis Allen, who was mostly like a Broadway producer. Uh, and he had the rights to Lord of the Flies. And I, I think my father sort of got like uh, grandfathered into a credit on that movie. Interesting. There I just a lot. know it was he, more he like has a credit on it, right? Dad. I'm not crazy. He does have a credit on that movie, yeah. Okay. Which, for a while, I think my dad kind of dined out on that because it was a title that everyone knew because everyone knows right. the book. Like, no right. one had seen that movie. Yeah, no, it I wasn't never. a hit movie by any means. No. I'm uh, Number four mm-hmm. uh, is a sort of a, uh, a hit comedy, like a wacky comedy starring a, a duo that is the beginning. Turner and Hitch? No. K-19? No. Can I? Can I no, not dog. Oh, no, okay. it's it, they're two people. <laughs> um, that oh, like wow. is the beginning. I think there's at least one or two sequels to this movie. These guys oh, never really. Geez. They're famous for being in this movie. Oh. And are they in the sequels together? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is like their wow, wait, bread and the, butter. I think they might be musicians. Can play. Oh, the first house, house party? party. House party. Yeah, I saw that in the theaters. Uh, you know, you know why we saw that. Because I wanted this is going to sound like I am the biggest snob, and I swear it's true. You can, I, I think. I mean, we could check the dates. I wanted to see Glory. Uh-huh. Glory is in the box yeah. office right I now. I wanted to see Glory, and it was Wick sold movie. out. So I allowed myself to see this populist motion. I was sure. a snob. Of Original Tudlin joint. Uh, I was like fourteen. So we're talking March of nineteen ninety. Yeah. Uh, I was March, March of nineteen ninety. Yeah, how yeah, old yeah. was I? I was a. I was in middle school. High, early. Yeah. I was a freshman in high school, but my eighth grade, whatever the hell yeah. I was. And I was the biggest movie snob you've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. There are two <laughs> more house parties. This is the second episode in a row where everyone's house party. I mean, it's but I remember. Not liking House Party, but I remember liking House Party too. The part where I believe it's um, 
Uh, he's dead now. The actor, Bernie Mac. Yeah, no. Um, uh, or, or no, the uh, uh, what's his name? Yeah, uh, it's it's yeah. the BB's kids yeah, guy. Yeah, that guy. Not yeah. Robin Givens. It's no, Robin. Robin something or other. Robin yeah. Harris. Yes, Robin yeah. Harris, who was also in uh, Do the Right Thing. No, so Robin which, Harris is in the first movie. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Uh, so the he, joke I was making, Jordan yeah. said what oh I God. didn't <laughs> like that. What I did like was, and the joke I was making was that he liked House Party too. Yeah, no, no. no. So I confused. So the Robin issue. Okay. Harris, who I knew because I was an intellectual and I had liked um, uh, Do the Right Thing because sure. I, I was a brilliant young kid. He was a great stand-up. Um, I uh, he has a line which I'm not going to do in the way he does it because uh, he, oh my he God. does. He does it in African-American vernacular English, and I'm not going to do it that way. Sure. But uh, he shouts. He doesn't like the house party. He's sure. the villain. He yes. wants the house sure. party. He stop. wants to stop the so house party. So he shouts out, this this ain't Soul Train, but he says it in a very uh, African-American vernacular way. Okay. And it killed me. It was the funniest thing I ever heard. He was, he was a great comedian. I don't know. That's yeah. the only thing I remember from House Party is him shouting, this ain't Soul Train. I don't know why I thought it was funny. But House Party too, you have come House Party memory. was written for Not Kid and Play. Kid and work. Cheech and Chong. Adult and Will work. Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff. Oh, weird. And they turned it down. Weird. Oh, there's also an eraser head joke in that, but I'd seen that in the commercial. Okay, well, so he's, he's got, got the, the hair. Yeah. 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 And he's like, hey, eraser head. I'm like, that's funny. Uh, other movies in the top 10. You got Driving Miss Daisy, which is about to win its best picture Oscar it's for the 1989 movie. cinema mm-hmm. year. Is that good? Is that movie no, good? No, it's, not it's good horrible. Not good I actually recently good watched it. I'd yeah. never seen it because I've been yeah. just trying to. Fill in no, the gaps I remember, in my best picture winners. I remember not liking it. It's quite bad. And, bad. and saying that it was a joke and, and my mother saying that it was good. And I'm like, sure. I think I think I think we now have a generation it, gap. It's here. the yeah. kind of movie that at the time played pretty dated and yeah. kind of old fashioned. And now when you watch it, you're like a nightmare. And for and, <laughs> but, well, but now, especially. But even back then, it was politically. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, um, it's a pretty. Well, it was like what? that was the big statement was like, oh, so like yeah, do the right do thing right doesn't thing even get nominated in the right. year when right. Drive Miss Daisy wins. That tells you everything. Right. And, and, and yet, yeah. uh, Public Enemy even had a song yes. uh, that, that made fun of, of the Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. And, and, so. and yet uh, Billy Crystal's Oscar monologue that year begins with Driving Miss Daisy, the movie which I guess directed itself. Because the director was oh. not nominated, and the audience are like, ha, 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 "That was like famously ha, ha. one of the only Best Picture winners to so, win without director along with Argo. Until Here's a tri- Argo. Here's a little trivia about Driving Miss Daisy: the little theme music. Yeah, can you hum it? Yeah, it's Hans Zimmer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can you imagine Hans Zimmer wrote that? That's the best part of the movie. That's the one thing the movie. He did on a synthesizer. Was his first ever score. Synthesized clarinet. It's so weird. It's a bad movie. No, no, he did the score for Rain Man. That was his first score, which also has yeah. a weird tinkly kind of yeah. synthesized score. He was like a, a light dramedy guy. Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah. A Lombada is number eight at the box office hey. this week about the Forbidden Dance. I never saw that. Uh, but really, <laughs> you're not going to get to that one? <laughs> no, it was, it was a big hit. <laughs> M- middle school film snob Jordan. <laughs> no, it, was a big, it was a big hit. Uh, yeah, Born big on the 4th of July, My Left Foot, Glory. Some, I haven't some seen of the, so we're in the Oscar court. But you know what? Here, I okay. have not seen Born on the 4th of July since it was in theaters. Sure. I, I've never seen Born on the 4th of July. I've it's never a seen weird either. gap in my yeah. There's a. It's sad. There's sure. A part, he, you know what struck got, me out because I was I was 15, 14, 15 and sure. I and I like I said I joking I was Mr. Sub I was like I had discovered the foreign sector I was sure. like I was then at fourteen what David Ehrlich is now all yeah. right if you can imagine such I a thing I kind of went through a similar phase <laughs> yeah. so, sure, sure we love you David um I yeah he's listening to this episode for yeah all right good I love David David knows of my you were just yelling at David Ehrlich yesterday I, it was much tweeted about knows of my love for him but uh, there's a scene in which he um. You know he's uh, how do I, what am I what am I getting my? Right, there's a part where like he whips out his uh, genitals, 
Mm-hmm. To show that he is unable to, he's uh, unable to uh, achieve an erection. Mm-hmm. Sure, and he's yelling at his mom, and he's waving his dick around. And I, I, for some reason, that really like freaked me the hell out. You know? Yeah, it sounds know. freaky. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. They don't really show it, but they show enough, and I'm like, oh, like I, because I guess it was like you know, oh, the guy's in a wheelchair is terrible. Like I guess I never really thought about can a guy in a wheelchair sure. feel, feel his uh, feel his uh, genitals. And at the age of 15 or whatever, this was a big deal. It was a shocking moment in yeah. your life. And then there was like a lot of like 60s music. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just think we should leave it there. Oh, The Handmaid's Tale. That's the only other one in there. Not a bad film. Oh, and yeah, you know what? The original I, adaptation. I mean to watch. I intend the to watch series, yes, uh, yes. the new one. Reed Morano is quite good. I liked her independent hey, film, Meadowland. Yeah. yeah. Meadowland was good. Yeah. No, she's a good director. Um, uh, but I did see the Volker Schlorndorf, if I may use that expression, film uh, later. <laughs> Are in, you testing if I'm a replicant later? Right now? Later in life. It's <laughs> yeah, culturally and I, insensitive. And it was, uh, it was good. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure nowhere near as good as the No, it, it, show, it's sort of an odd little thing. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, Jordan, you got to get out of here. I do, We're but I feel bad. I, ca- I, talk- I was the guy who had to bring up uh, the penis aspect in the gun, and I'm just talking <laughs> no, about Tom Cruise's that penis. That was good. I want to let listeners know that I don't normal. It's when I'm You're around. You're not as phallic. Uh, no, like, it's yeah. when I see you, Dave. Well, you know, I, I, so, I, I, I mean, sure. look, we, we're crazy about Mac Weldon. If you're thinking about underwear all the time, you know? <laughs> Of course, it's going to come up. I mean, this episode was, of course, brought to you by uh, Mac Weldon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Comfort. Uh, and we're glad to have it be brought to you by And such a them. funny coincidence that they sponsored this episode and we also end up talking about them for 10 minutes. Isn't yeah. it kind of nice how that happens That's organically? How it goes. I mean, it's a good thing because we would have talked about them for no reason otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, uh, people can follow you on Twitter. They can listen to Engage. They. Oh, yes. If you like Star Trek, and even if you don't, you can listen to my podcast, which you can find anywhere. Uh, Engage. And I'm on Twitter, Jay Hoffman. You could read my movie reviews on The Guardian, Vanity Fair. They're all over the um, place. Damn right. Uh, I've got a piece in an upcoming uh, magazine only, uh, which is uh, only subscribers that have the Amex black card can read. Wow. Well, there you go. <laughs> kind of, hey, it's a great new media world we all wherever, live in. Where I'm, I'll write for whomever wants. Uh, but uh, by, by, if you, you know, by and large, uh, you can find me at home. Just you know, come by. And I'll yeah. Okay. Me, so come by. We'll hang out. Uh, Jordan's home. He'll be hanging out there with the door open. Ron Silver will have already arrived. <laughs> I'll be in my Mac Weldon underwear. Hey, Mac Weldon, baby. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Go to reddit.blankies.com for some real nerdy shit. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Andrew Gudo for our social media. Thank you to Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds uh, for our artwork. Lee Montgomery for our theme song. Big thanks to Mac Weldon for... Sponsoring this episode. Supporting this podcast. Clothes on genitals. Yep. And as always, I should state right here that I have, since recording the last episode, been corrected. Mm. Forgot about this. The woman who married into my family. Right. And then became the first American to get the bubonic plague in 100 years. Right. Was not a Dixie chick. Different person. Right, right, right. right. Different person. Okay. What? Uh, you'll have to listen to the last episode, You gotta go back Jordan, and listen to the last episode. Uh, and then you'll know. There are two different people who are connected to my family through marriage. One of them was the Dixie Chick who left the Dixie Chicks, and the other one got bubonic plague. So, and as always, wow. as I say at the end of every single episode, there is no former member of the Dixie Chicks <laughs> who also is a survivor of the bubonic plague.